This episode of Limit Break Radio is made possible by our generous Patreon donors, including Soren Dunlack of Ultros, Shira Hartslot of Sergeant Tannis, and Cabo Fulmin of Lamia. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. And by Wark Donalds. Visit Wark Donalds for fast, cheap, delicious food on the go. Made with 100% authentic and ethnic chocobos. Our choco nuggets will make you quee your pants in delight. Our new artisan grilled choco chick panini topped with real choco chick down. Wark Donalds. I'm working it. I don't get it. Ascalia. Holy shit, totally forgot about him. And Mika. Oh my god. LimitBreakRadio.com Five, four, three, two, one! Welcome to Limit Break Radio, episode number 92. The episode that almost wasn't. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for joining us live here on twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio, as well as live in Eorzea. Let's kick it on over to our Eorzean studio, which, of course, is not, of course, not showing up. Why is it not showing up? Nothing's working today. There we go. Now it's working. Thanks for joining us live here on twitch.tv slash LimitBreakRadio, LimitBreakRadio.com. If you're listening on the podcast, maybe you found us on iTunes. If you did, give us an iTunes review. But check out the site as well. There's a lot of cool stuff happening over there. So a little bit of a different episode today, guys. Um, As you can tell, so if you live in uh, the general region that we do, the the same part of America. You're probably covered in snow right now, like we are. Uh, Which which has impacted uh, pretty much everyone's ability to get to the studio today. So joining me, we've got, of course, Nika, uh, but we've also got Juxta joining us over Skype. Yeah, it looks like fucking Kurthus out here, man. It's terrible, and it's still coming down. Yeah, it it is, and the thing is, is... uh, I, I did not want to ta- uh, create a dangerous situation uh, for the host to be able to get here. So I'm literally for the first time. I mean, this is the first time in a long time that I've been flying solo in the studio. But that doesn't be lonely. I'm a little lonely, but it's also it's also like uh, a little freeing. I'm not wearing pants. That's kind of nice. Boy band bros. No, no, that's not I mean, pants, think either. about it, though. Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 nice. I don't have to, you know, like I didn't have to do dishes before everyone came over today. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I didn't have to like clean up or anything. I just was able to like roll out of bed and kind of like saunter into the you studio. Like life better without them. No, I'm not saying. I'm I'm just <laughs> saying like it's a it's a nice change of pace for this week. That's what I'm saying. 
Except there's a downside as well because you had to go get your own tea this morning and you don't have food delivered to you. I know. Yeah, it's pretty awful. So I had to actually go out and buy my own Cobb salad today, which sucks. Yeah, Cobb salad. What the fuck? Well, eating eating pizza for the last like two, three days and hamburgers. I've been working a lot. So I've been having to get a lot of food on the go. Can't eat real well when uh, when you've got to be somewhere in you know ten minutes. So yeah, but still a salad. Yeah, I'm I gonna... went out and I got myself a salad, so I don't feel like such salad a piece of shit. Good choice. Yeah, it's a terrible choice. You should get like a nice big greasy. You should have went to Work Donald's. I've been. <laughs> how do you know yeah, I didn't get the salad from Work Donald's? We Wark... at least support them. How do you how do you know that I didn't get the salad from Work Donald's? Work Donald's has salads. I mean, that's true with real, real chocobo inside the salad. Yeah, right. Yes. Grilled chocobo and geishal greens. It's fine. It's good. It's a, it's a really good salad. Grilled ch- the artisan grilled choco chick panini is uh, only has 130 calories. It is very, very healthy for you. Yeah, I'm sure it's it made is. made with real choco chicks. Yeah, but I'm trying to. Uh, yeah, but OK, fine. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm just going to let that go. I'm just forget it. Uh, you had to crack open the egg. The chick comes out and then you just beat it over the hammer with stop. Uh, to kill stop. it. No, stop. And then you immediately stop. roast it. So God it doesn't have it. like more than five minutes of life. <laughs> That's how you know it's the best. The more life it has, the, the, it just, the more it gets to experience life, the less good it tastes. So you just have to, exactly. you have to kill it with all of its innocence or else it doesn't get to optimum flavor. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, thanks for joining us today here on uh Limit Break Radio. We're glad to have you along. Uh having to actually change the plan for today's episode sort of at the last minute because of the weather. Um but so here's the other thing is that I, I mean, I'm not hearing it a ton right now, but I've been having weird vocal problems all week and I think I, I mean Part of it is that I'm talking a lot more just during my days. Like I see people, and so I have to talk to them a lot. <laughs> I know oh, man, it's annoying. People, uh... I, I know it's 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 irritating. But now I'm I'm actually at work at an hour where other people are, are at work. So it's like oh no, I gotta talk to people. So that's where it's actually been wearing my voice out quite a lot. But this week we uh, recorded another. Uh, episode of our new show that's in development that is slated for release in February. We get to talk oh. about it in January, so that's super exciting. Uh, we've got the logo pinned down for that, too. It's all solidified and ready to go. But we recorded another episode of that, so that's really cool. Uh, and also on Tuesday... Uh, Nika, Kahlo, and I appeared over on State of the Realm. And so that was also a great deal of talking as well. So I've not had a great opportunity to rest my vocal cords. And so uh, if, if, if we don't go the full time today, if, uh, if, if, if the show seems a little bit uh, a little bit janky today, we got thrown off of our game very late by the weather, and I I, I really do feel like I'm straining my voice a bit. So uh, I embrace want embrace the jankiness. 
Yeah, it's just it is. It's going to be what it is. But we've got plenty to talk about. But this is this is sort of my roundabout way of explaining why we want to encourage your calls specifically today. Uh, I want to be able to give my voice a rest. Uh, I want to be able to, uh, you know, give Juxta and Nika some things to talk about without actually having to be the one who originates the stuff so uh we want to take your calls on anything we're talking today about uh an article that was posted over at mmorpg.com saying that healers absolutely need to be using cleric stance and doing dps that it is an expected part of their job we want to know do you agree with that opinion uh but uh we're we're also going to be talking about uh in an interview from yoshi p that he did to game focus that actually talks a lot uh, about some very very big heady ideas about the game industry and mmo's place uh within that as a genre um some really interesting statements coming out of that so uh we want to encourage you to respond to any of the things that we're talking about here today as well as any of the things that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks uh you know patch 3.5 that's coming up any of the diadem changes and what we know about Stormblood. uh we you know we've been able to suss out quite a bit about the intention behind the direction of the new content and we haven't heard from that many of you about how you feel that direction is going to be for the long-term health of the game so we want you to sound off and you can call the show limit break radio on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord now keep in mind keep in mind okay i'm having to run all of the gear by myself so uh you know if if it's a little slow if the works are a little bit slower than normal it's because i'm trying to concentrate on like nine or ten different things so yeah i gotta say you're uh the drops are really lacking today anero you need oh, to pick you... up the ball on that i will take those i, I just hit a random one so <laughs> i didn't even hear it it was too soft yeah i know i needed to crank up that ball there we go Anyway, uh, so line up your calls. Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715, LimitBreakRadio.com, slash Discord. Uh, And there is really no FF14 news to talk about today. Uh, There's, uh, I mean, there's a new duty commence. That's that's a thing. If you want to find out when that is, I guess, hit up the lodestone. But other than that, there's, in the last week, there has literally been... Except that the last shipment of pre-ordered lore books have gone out, and I got mine finally. That's a thing that happened. Have you read it? I read the monk page. Oh, what? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take some time over winter break and just read it front to back. I, why would you start? That's a weird page to start with. Because Saren wanted to read the monk page, so that's the one we started with. We oh good, it's a collective effort. Just like it is, we're going to read it on the plane on the way to Michigan for winter. It is. We're going to sit together and we're going to read it together. That's that's what couples do. Okay, sure. Well, there you go. That's what's going on in FF14 news. But to talk, (laughs) what, what, what? (laughs) That's what's going on in 14 news. Nika's reading a book with senpai about 14. I no. Well, the last set of 14 lore books went out. Hooray! Good for you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. 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 
Home and they also shipped. Them? Also, the new Primal CD has been shipped, but that one's not here yet. But I'm excited for that one. Typical Nika humble bragging. Okay, great. I love a humble bragging. Juxta keeps us for talking about how he's had his for months. Except <laughs> it's been sitting over at my at, at my place for like three weeks now. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, can you play some production so I can talk over it? No, I'm actually not gonna no. not gonna do any news production because it seems really silly to do that. It seems really superfluous. Like You're why? Mess. <laughs> why? Why do you try? You know what? I just realized I can't mute you. Yeah, <laughs> I can't mute you. I mean, well, I can mute. Would mute both of us. Yeah, right? I could mute the both of you, but then I have to do more talking. Yeah, that would, well, that would be the worst thing in the world, though. It would be because I would still be able to hear Juxta. We could just sit <sighs> in silence. I mean, we can just we can just like sit could here. Do that, and we can just you know. Or we can let just, the callers dictate the show. We That's can just right. turn this into a Final Fantasy 15 show instead of Final Fantasy 14 because I could talk about that. That's the only game I've been playing for the last few weeks. So I don't know what this I, game was. This I really game again. I don't. I I don't feel like you're alone. I feel like there are a lot of people who, you know, like there's going to be a lot of crossover appeal with FF15 from 14, and Excuse yeah, a lot, lot of people. A lot of people have been uh, very plugged into into FF15. I've been playing World of Final Fantasy. And you go fuck com- yourself. Completely beats off the pants of four or fifteen. I'll rip your head off and shit down your neck. There you go. Yeah, That's good. See? Good job. I can do that. Was a really job, great job. I can do. I can do this shit. <laughs> idiots doing idiot things because they're idiots. See? Oh, wow, your job is so. Your job. Your job is so hard. We got 2015 drops in here, boys. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it's not even on your drop page, but whatever. Sure. <laughs> I don't think 90, so. There's 91 pages. That's a lot. No, that's that's all. Yeah, that's what I figured. So anyway, uh, so what we're really going to talk about today, because like I said, there's really not much in FF14 news to discuss, but uh, we wanted to talk about this game focus interview. Now, this was posted over on Silicon Era, and you can find a link to that. I'm sure Kookie will provide it in the chat room, but you can find a link to that at our website, LimitBreakRadio.com. So a note before we start into this, it's a series, it's a collection of statements. We don't really get the full uh, Q&A. Uh, but keep in mind that the info is a brief summary of the original Korean interview provided and translated into Japanese by Kultur. Kultur. Uh, Kotor? Ko- no, not Kotor. Kultur the Unbreakable? I sure. don't know who that is. Uh, anyway, so it, it starts off with a series of questions here, which I think piggybacks one of our discussions that we've had on the show, which is, is the subscription model for MMOs a dying concept? And this one just outright ups the ante, takes it to the next level, and outright just asks, are MMO RPGs dead? Is yes, the, is the there are M- none. They don't, none. There are zero. They don't N- exist. No, I mean, I, I think, <laughs> but I mean, do you think that that's a fair question? Yeah, I think they're probably getting more towards uh, is the MMORPG genre like 
are they basically not good games anymore? Can, like, you, can they survive? Can you name an MMO that's coming out? Like, I can't name one that's on that's being developed or on the horizon that people are super stoked about. Like, the Titan, oh, mm. um, I have a 15 MMO. Hmm. <laughs> so we know about the FF15 MMO. Let's go with that one. Hmm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I, you know, I'm willing to bet Blizzard will develop one though, because World of Warcraft, while they're still developing, I just feel like it's ready for something new and grand that Blizzard can now accomplish that is much better than like 12 years ago when that game came out or whatever. I feel like I, Blizzard will release one. I'm looking forward to when they have like a MMORPG VR and I can literally play Sword Art Online. Well, have a waifu. I mean, is that really the next? It, like, is that is that the next like you, step? You go into you you sleep and then you like play yourself yeah. in the game and then yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, is is that really what's necessary to to sort of push the genre forward? Is some sort of hardware technology push or you know? Because VR that's going to take a lot. I mean, you think about the how large an MMO world is versus the size of a one play, even of even a open world game like FF15. I feel like 14 is still a lot bigger. Oh, it is for, for, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a VR MMO would definitely up the ante on the experience, but I think it would just be very difficult to have an MMO that's anything outside of just smacking things. Like how hard? I mean, I cannot even imagine trying to dodge mechanics <laughs> in VR. It's like I could, I could take my sword and I could tank and spank, but I'm not entirely sure that you would actually be able to do anything fun. And I think it would get well. It's it's cool concept at first. I think it would get very stale very fast. So the interview sort of puts forward is the MMORPG genre dead? That I guess is a common topic in the West. I did not know that. I didn't know that that was a much more common theme or or thought that existed over here. Uh, but that uh, there aren't many aren't that many companies around the world willing to make new MMORPGs. And I think that that's true. I mean, I think that there is a uh, that that companies ever since the big MMO boom that happened after the success of World of Warcraft, where every single dev company was like, oh, I can eat into that. And they couldn't like they just all of them got shattered on World of Warcraft's you know, 10 million subscribers. And they just, they, they weren't able to carve out a large enough audience to be able to sustain that. And so we've seen tons of games, of course, go to free to play and adjust their funding models and, you know, go pay to win all of these other things. And so we've now kind of got the current state of MMORPGs where in a way, FF14 is kind of like the last in the old guard of, of of like an old school MMO and the way that it's designed. And yet they make a whole lot of modern concessions. They make a whole lot of contemporary concessions that WoW has done, for example. And they take a lot of their cues from WoW. And so it feels like, you know, there is a conscious effort. And especially when I see some of these statements from this from this interview that it very much does feel like a conscious effort on the part of, uh, you know, on the part of developers uh, on the part of Square Enix to kind of try to trying to tread both worlds. And I mean, I think that 
they do that to 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 their credit very well but you know the the question still kind of remains like how much of a future is left for mmos with companies now so gun shy about giving money to development projects like that well and i guess the real question is like like are like mmorpgs even like really that fun anymore like yeah once you have like the basic like formula down like how are you really going to change it up you know i mean that's that's fair that's fair mmos have kind of worked themselves into a mechanic repetition uh you know because it, it we've we've said that before of FF14, like, give us some new stuff to do. Don't just give me a, pl- uh, a point to go to and click on, which, to be honest, I feel like a lot of quests, even, you know, in single player open world games like Final Fantasy 15, that seems to be the bulk of a lot of objectives is go to the go to the shiny spot and click the shiny spot and make, uh, you know, make a cutscene engage. And it does feel like a, a kind of you know very limited mechanic but at the same time there is the, there are restrictions to what a game like this can do because of server structures because of you know game structures because of audience expectations you know like how much i, I think asking how much can really be done with the genre anymore is a fair question but we've also seen at the same time we've also seen the rise of these free roaming resource management uh you know open world games like arc and like uh you know to 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 a certain extent like uh minecraft but you know very influenced or inspired by minecraft we've seen a lot of those and it feels like there's going to be a nexus between these two style of gameplays so that it's not so as boring as arc and empty as arc but at the same time a game is not as grindy and so streamlined as you know the modern mmos that we that we come to know today that and like well the thing i was thinking about like once you reach like a certain point in a genre like you don't really change the formula too much like can take fighting games like at the core like a street fighter 2 and street fighter 5 are basically like not i mean don't get me the wrong way they're not basically the same game but i mean it's all about like like the like obviously the big mechanics are roughly the same where you're like you're hitting making combos and all that but obviously they play very differently so i guess the question is how can mmos adapt and like kind of emulate that in that like it's they also feel a lot different from old mmos versus a new one that grabs the attention of you you know well, I mean, I think that's what we're seeing with something like 14. And I mean, the problem is we're saying, you know, that we're trying that MMOs need to move in a way that doesn't feel the same as every MMO. But then there are plenty of people that don't like 14 because it's so different and it's not like the old MMOs. So it's really like, I don't think it's more about finding how to keep it new and different. It's more about finding a balance between old and new. Maybe. You know, I, I, I think I really am bummed that eq next got canceled because that was a game that i I thought took you know took equal influence from minecraft 
as well as uh, you know EverQuest, obviously, because it built off of the EverQuest IP. But it had this really unique world design where you could you know dig at any point and if you kept going if you dug deep enough you might be able to dig into a cave or something and it just like that sort of inventive world building that open world building and that by the way that hole would stay there for anyone who would else who would want to you know it just it feels like bizarre game design or like something that you would have to reset every once in a while like an etch-a-sketch or something but it was a really kind of cool concept and I thought was something that I'd never seen before in any other MMO. And I think it's going to be a concept like that that ends up pushing the genre forward. But it, that a, a, a concept like that also takes a lot of development. It also takes a lot of money. And I don't know very many development studios or even, you know, publishing studios that are willing to take that kind of chance that are willing to roll those dice because so many MMOs have lost so much money in the course of their operation. All right, let's go to our phone lines. Uh, we've got uh, Xanther hanging on the line. Xanther. Xanther, how's it going? Xanther, you there, man? Uh, yeah. I'm hey, there. hey, what's up? Hey, yeah. thanks for calling Lemon Break Radio. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'm on? <laughs> yeah, you're on. Hi, what's up? Yeah, you're yeah. on the air. Sorry. Um, uh, okay, my I'm calling in regards to uh, VR MMO RPGs. Um, like sort of online everything uh, actually like IBM I read an article about nine months ago or so uh, that IBM is actually looking into doing this they did a huge uh, beta test like an alpha test in Japan uh, had about I think 50 to 100 people actually do VR heavy VR like, headsets like sort of online headsets um, and they actually people actually like did exactly what you do in a regular MMO, but all their movements were actually fully tracked in real time in the actual game. And they actually can go on quests, uh, actually do, um, multiple emotes. They don't have to actually do emotes, like type in something. Like if they emoted in real life, that's what happened in the game. And actually, uh, a lot of, uh, I've been reading about quite a few companies, who actually are uh, experimenting with this with different headsets like the Oculus or the PlayStation VR or um, a specific one like IBM is actually making their own, I guess you would say, like Nerve Gear headset where actually it would fully track everything you're doing, your eyes, your mouth, like everything. Um, And it's actually getting uh, quite exciting. And I think this is actually the next like full uh, evolution of MMOs, like uh, they were doing, like Final Fantasy fourteen. they were actually doing like a test bed for PlayStation VR, uh, which uh, obviously did, was like just a test and they showed it off and it was cool uh, seeing basically your actual height, uh, your actual height compared to like say Titan or something. It's Titan standing right in front of you and uh, yeah. Right. Uh, well, and I mean, there's two there's two sort of fundamental uh, uh, things that you're balancing there when you're talking about that kind of technology. First is that you've got to balance the cost. It's got to be cost effective. 
that does not sound cost effective at all. That sounds insane. I mean, it is a push forward in the technology, granted, but it's not, you know, that's 10, 20 years from consumer ready. And in 10, 20 years, like what's going to happen to MMOs? You know what I mean? Like as a genre of game, I think that that's an important question, especially for all of us that are currently so tuned into and plugged into and enjoying an MMO. Um, you know, what's what is the what legitimately what is the future look like? The other thing that that you've got to balance there is the exhaustion factor. If you if you're if your movements are being tracked on a one to one ratio, then you're going to get fucking worn out really easily. Like I, I'd be good for like 20 minutes of playing that game. And then I'd be like, all right, well, you know, like yesterday. All right. Yesterday, I was so exhausted. I slept for like 16 hours and I couldn't even be bothered to sit in front of my TV and play FF 15. I was that fucking tired. Like if if I've got to, you know, go questing and stuff like that, like Okay, yeah, there that is an interesting concept, but it's limited. It's so limited in in its scope. And at that point, like, you know, why not? You know what? It's sort of like it's sort of like an AR MMO. It would be cool. But long term, I don't think that it's really like the path forward to fix the genre or move the genre forward in, you know, in in like a a long term sense i don't i don't know if i agree with that because we already have games that are like force you to move around i mean look at uh, dance dance revolution and basically when you're like invested in a game like that you work your muscles to the point where you can play that longer because like when i first started playing ddr i would be able to do like two two three songs and i'd be done but then as i played more and more of it like after like a month or two I could, you know, do like a whole like 15, 20, 30 songs or until I was basically done playing for the day. So I feel like that evolution, like people's bodies will adapt to having to like walk around or whatever. Yeah, but like look at it. But you look at the binge sessions that people are on right now. And I mean, like if you've got to dodge moves and like do strike, I mean, like, dude, that's so so much. But that's so much movement that that you would be responsible for producing that your body would be responsible for producing like no one would be able to binge mmos like like they currently are and i don't think that i think at that point they lose some of their value i mean a big big component of this is how do we get people's twelve dollars ten dollars fourteen dollars whatever it is a month you know like I, if I can only play your game in 15-minute spurts, then why am I paying monthly for it? That seems insane. Okay, well, see, then you, after you're done, like, moving around and actually fighting stuff, you relax to the tavern, play a nice game of Hearthstone, maybe some Lords of Reminion, oh my and God. you relax. <laughs> you're the worst. Just the literal worst. Thanks, Xanther, for the call. We appreciate it. If you want to call Limit Break Radio, Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715, limitbreakradio.com, slash Discord, the ways that you can call in. Uh, so let's take a look at some of these these statements from Yoshi P. 
Uh, Games are usually made after receiving an investment, but since MMORPGs come with high business risks, investors have begun begun thinking that their money in uh, that their invested money would be difficult to recover. And that I think we have seen in again how gun shy developers have been to move forward on MMO projects. And it seems like that more and more you'll get a single player game that has multiplayer components or you'll get, you know, like a mini MMO, uh, you know what I mean? Inside of like a larger game, um, it, it, it multiplayer. And I, and I'm thinking of like dark souls, you know what I mean? Like there's a bigger game. There's a, it has its own narrative, but it has a multiplayer component. It has this strong PVP component and it has these like MMO ish, Elements, And I think that game developers look at that as a much more attractive possibility because you've got a product that you can market separate from a monthly subscription. But players are also kind of, uh, you know, satiated in that, you know, by by having PVP and connectivity and being able to, you know, have multiplayer support online multiplayer support we see this with ever 15 as well where you know one of the big dlc expansions is going to add online multiplayer so you know we see single players adopting much more multi uh, many more multiplayer aspects and on specifically online multiplayer aspects and uh, again i just think that that looks way more attractive than developing an online only product that you're trying to market at a monthly resubscription cost nothing nothing but but i'm, I'm just trying to could you even really call dark souls an mmorpg no, 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 absolutely okay. not. No, it's a it's a single player game that has like online multiplayer elements. Features, yeah. Yeah. It makes it it makes it feel sort of MMO-ish. Especially like the way that modern MMOs are designed where you have, you know, modern MMOs though like ff14 is a great example you can play ff14 almost as a single player campaign and only group up with people in dungeons and you know what i mean like it's so it's so um uh what's the word that i'm looking for uh solo player friendly no I'm, it's so social no it's it, it's so um fleeting how quickly you end up grouping up with people you know it's not like with ff11 where you know you would either have to wait an hour and a half for a group and then when you got a group you would stay with it sometimes for like six seven eight hours that's not what happens in ff14 you queue up you've got matchmaking part uh, you know the 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 parties that get formed are just they're they're very quick they they happen very very quickly um so i think in that respect dark souls does sort of mirror that where you have very quick interactions of multiplayer and then you're back to your own campaign and and so i again i just think that that's a much more attractive option for developers as opposed to an mmo environment yeah, I guess I could see that, but I don't I don't feel like that would really fulfill the, like the MMO niche that a lot of players are still seeking. 
and still want. But again, I don't. Uh, yeah, I guess it's just hard to say. So other statements include this is good. The big gaps in silence are great. This is uh, really professional, guys. Uh, other uh, other statements. So uh, MMO RPGs nowadays can't be successful unless they're large scale games. That's also true. Uh, some companies want to make MMO RPGs, but uh, they can't afford it. Uh, the companies that uh, try making MMORPGs are told by investors uh, to just work on different games instead. And just to kind of a peek behind the curtain where, you know, because investors do drive a lot of this. Um, you know, if you're being told what to work on and, and where to throw development staff, you know, you've the developer only has so much control before an investor goes, all right, fuck it. I want my money back. I'm done. Well, that's, I guess the biggest uh, question is, are MMORPGs really that profitable anymore considering how much they cost to make, how long of a development cycle they have, and the return is just not what they really should be. This is going to become a huge catch-22 then, isn't it? Like, everyone's like, well, MMOs are dying and nobody's going to make any new ones, so they're not going to be anymore, but everyone's scared to make more because they're, nobody's, like, this is this big endless circle, and if nobody takes that risk there aren't going to be any more and then they're all just going to die out. Yeah, like, that's, lot, that's that's really sort of what we're getting at here. But the thing is, like, so many companies have, quote, taken the risk because they wanted a piece of the World of Warcraft pie and they've just been completing utter burnouts to the point where everyone can tell that they're not worth it anymore because people just don't enjoy the gameplay of them and they stop playing pretty soon after like a month maybe two months after they reach the end game or whatever yeah but this is this is this is a big part of the problem though is is that everyone is literally chasing that world of warcraft tale and if you're too busy focused on that it it leads to a lack of innovation and i think that we saw that we saw that in that huge wave of mmos that came out in the last like 10 years and then has now started to taper off into nearly nothing and that's i think exactly what yoshi p is talking about that's exactly what he's talking about right here i'm not sure jackson that it's the gameplay that necessarily makes people not want to play i mean i think it has a lot to do with the fact that i mean let's be real if world of warcraft launched today I don't think it would be nearly as successful as it was from when it originally launched. And I think a lot of that has to do with the current generation of people and the current generation of gamers. And we've talked about, too, in our other episodes on FEC, like when we talked about mobile gaming becoming you know, a big thing. That's that's today's lifestyle. It's today's lifestyle is fast-paced. It's it's on the go. It's um, it's always like, what's the words I'm looking for? It's like, you know, instant reward, instant now, everything now, something you can do casual, put down. And MMO. Instant gratification. Yeah, instant gratification. And it's something you can do casually because everyone's lifestyles are busy, busy on the go all the time right now. And I feel like, so that's that's why we've seen such an insurgence of mobile games in such a, you know, a, a lower number of games that require such a big time investment because that that's the kind of thing that just today's gamers and today's people in general just don't have time for or just don't have the the means to want to care about something as in-depth as something like that yeah but then we have things uh, yeah i guess that mirrors the success of pokemon and pokemon go where you do play it on the go it's a mobile game and 
you just go through the single player campaign and then afterwards if you want to try to make more out of it you just go through endless 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 hours of grinding to find like the perfect pokemon breeding and all that other right stuff. and all that is for the people that have the time and or the the drive to do so but if you need something that's just kind of casual for you to do in your daily life you're probably not going to commit to doing all that grinding like i'm thinking now i saw calipost the other day that he got 100 percent on his alola pokedex and i'm like i don't know if i would ever just want to sit down and grind that like to me that's awesome but just the the gratification doesn't come quick enough because i would rather play another game or do something else where i'd get more done in a shorter amount of time and i know like even right now surin hasn't been able to play much 15 and he's getting sad because i've been playing it because he has his school right and so he plays pokemon on the metro because that's something he can do and do quickly and casually whereas something like 15 even, even that's a one player game and he doesn't have time to play imagine like another big mmo people just don't have the time or the drive to invest in that anymore yeah but i, I mean i've seen people refer to pokemon go as the pokemon mmo which i think is kind of there's fair. no other people in pokemon go it's yeah. not an mmo unless you can interact with other players yeah uh i think that you are interacting with other players it's called having an actual conversation with a but motherfucker that you're an mmo because mmo means it's play. a it's a it's just a different take on an mmo i mean i i agree that there should be some basic way to interact with other people that you meet like trading i think that that's an important con if trading and battling existed or if you could even see it on your map like who around you has the game open where no that that would murder it would murder the game it would murder the frame rate on people then how do you do that on on certain hardware it would murder the frame rate i i don't know like i probably initiating a battle over the uh, over the internet like you do on a regular pokemon cart that makes sense to me if you have somebody's username or whatever or if you're even if you're standing close to them that there's a list of people that you can choose from that to me seems to be a little bit more reasonable than showing people on the goddamn map that's a little like bit insane you can't see other people interacting in the world that no longer is a role playing game it's literally just a map to help find people in the real well, life. Well, no, it's not a role-playing game. It's an, But then it's not MMO. It's an, a, a, no, it's... A, an I mean, MMO it's, real life game. I, I'm, 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 it's a tweaked concept of an MMO. I think that, I mean, like, that's the... the I, I hate to break it to you, but that's the closest we're ever getting to an, a, a Pokemon MMO. It's, there was a fan-made one for a while. I, would, I was playing it on Facebook a few years back in college, and it was actually really cool, but I, they got a C&D, which sucked. Of but course they, I mean, they would. They, but the thing is, is I think a real Pokemon MMO would probably do very well if Pokemon Go success is saying anything. Um, because I also feel like a Pokemon Go MMO would be easy enough for children to get into and waste their life away on. So I don't know. But. I, I, I think Pokemon Go is good enough as an MM, uh, as a Pokemon MMO to, you know, basically say that to 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 make that justification to say all right well there it is you don't really need it because it it does encourage in in the same way that mmos used to encourage social interaction with people where now we get just automatic matchmaking because that's the norm uh you know i think that pokemon go in the same way forces you out into the world and forces you to interact with people and i think that that's cool if there was you're right but that's also like that but you're right but that also is the same thing um, I was kind of going towards we're talking about people's lifestyle changes Pokemon Go corresponds with people who are on the go literally like people who are busy people who are out and about and you can still take five minutes to even sit and battle someone if that was in the game already whereas an, an actual MMORPG 
is just doesn't fit into most people's lifestyles. And so that's why I think games like Pokemon Go are be- are more popular than uh, any MMO that's been coming out recently because there's just not enough interest. Not so much that the gameplay is even bad. There's just not enough interest in that type of game in today's current lifestyle. So I mean, you see more mobile games and less big you know blockbuster games in general i will i will concede the point that until you can interact with other people in any way shape or form that it is kind of tougher to say that pokemon go is a of a version of an mmo but once that's there i i think that that yeah like now you have an actual in-game mechanic or or you know reason built around interacting with other people and I, i think that that completely supplants things like a chat room you know you don't need a chat room because the chat room is supposed to actually be a conversation it's supposed to be a chat with someone so I don't, well Ugh. it's i talk better when it's, i'm it's, in texting form so it is a I very it's, in ever. it's a very hippy dippy take on it but yeah i think i think that you can make that justification i think that you can you can definitely say that um so uh, some uh, some of the other uh, statements here uh, we're currently in a state where uh, those who want to uh, make MMORPGs really can't because of this sentiment uh, Yoshi P's personal opinion is that MMORPGs aren't dead but rather they're just taking a break now that's kind of I think that's kind of interesting uh, he feels that uh, it'll be another 10 to 15 years before they become big again. And I wonder why, like, what what, what do you think happens in that 10, 15 year period where they, you know, where where they've lost now favor with the public, but they'll become big again? I, to me, that says that that says like when there's a big technology shift or you know a big graphics push that that'll be the next time that mmo or when donald trump ruins our country we all need an escape (laughs) i don't know about that (laughs) i feel like i feel like every kind of lifestyle shift i feel every 10 to 15 years the the general feel of the lifestyle of people I like for some reason like i mean i just feel right you know everyone right now is always on the go so they're always playing mobile games that's why things like candy crush like i have so many when i got my new phone inherent games that were built in that are almost identical to candy crush or bejeweled and they're like just just with a different skin over top and yet there's all these things they have in-game transactions they have all this and people eat it up and it's so popular because that's today's lifestyle give it 10 to 15 years and i do think that people's lifestyles in one way or another for better or for worse will shift and so that's when we're going to see a different influx of games and it may not be mmos but it might be something totally different that's going to shift because that's just to fit people's lifestyle better i think yoshi is giving uh, mmos are uh kind of a kind of a big uh, concession saying they're just taking a break i think the reason mmos are quote dying is because they haven't found the next big thing yet like world of warcraft's quest structure and xp grind that was the big thing and that's what projected mmos into the populator that they are right now so i think as soon as someone figures out the new formula x the new ingredient x that makes mmos engaging and fun to play again i think that's when they become big again because people are just aching for something new and so for something exciting for something to bring them back into the mmo genre well what do you think that'll end up being if i knew what that was then i would be a millionaire in five to ten years 
<laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, like it, you, it, you know, we know where the technology is pushing. We've already talked about the possibility of VR MMOs, and it's not like it, you know. Let it, when you say that, uh, people automatically jump to Sword Art Online. So it's not like the concept hasn't existed for a, a, a while. Uh, you know what? What really is going to be that thing? Like, if if you could add an element to an MMO that doesn't that that exists in other games, but for whatever reason can't exist in an an MMO, like what is that? Like, as I'm playing through FF15, I'm sort of noticing that it borrows a lot of kind of concepts from MMOs or, or even that FF14 used where you've got packs of enemies that you're running into. Uh, you've got basically uh, items that you procure with a click that exist on the ground. I mean, there's a lot of these things that are just essentially borrowed from online games. And so, you know, what what is really going to be the thing that, that makes that push? I think this, this is, is a hard question for me. I think like this is going to be like pie in the sky, like technology that's not even there yet, but like just like super like reality altering MMO to like where you're laying in bed and like legit sort out online. B- yeah, basically legit sort online. And I'm not trying to be a weeb or anything, but like, uh-huh. like we've confirmed <laughs> just laying in bed and actually become like, the game is now your reality in that your mind, like you're your moving. mind thinks you're walking around. In yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, like, yeah, I'm honestly basically. terrified if video games ever actually get to that point though. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit running, running the line, like along the matrix that I, I mean, because even, even though it, it's not real, can you imagine though, like dying in the game by a slaughter horde of monsters or falling off of a cliff? Like, even though you're not actually dying, the trauma that can come from that could really fuck some people. It would up. be, it would be, it, it, or it could be, it could no be pussies. like, it could be. <laughs> It could be like the worst nightmare you've ever had. You know what I mean? Like, if you think okay, about well, just it, just don't play horror games then. Does it have to be horror? I mean, just look in, in Final Fantasy 15. Like, you go into this dungeon with 20 lightning bombs that all explode at the same time, and I have no chance of survival. In real life, I would, like, I don't know if I would ever want to play a video game ever again. It's terrifying. Yeah, the when the when that crawl out of the ground and slam swords at you, I'm not sure that in real life I could handle that. Yeah, like, like, homie, just as a basis for comparison, that's like walking along and just having a roadside bomb go off. You know what I mean? Like, like you, that's, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, I how is some how, gamers are made of harder stuff than others? Oh my god, uh, maybe, but things. you still don't realize that if this is in, your mind believes that you are in this world. Well, like I th- you're you're actually like, even though you know, oh, it's not real. Like you're acting and walking and moving like this is your reality. It would fuck you up. Yeah, no, I think I, I think that that Nika is actually bringing up kind of uh, uh, an important thing that you know we haven't really thought about very much is you know like there could be real uh, you know like gameplay elements that are really easy to execute and to wrap your head around with a controller sitting in front of a TV are going to be a lot more visceral and are going to be a lot more complicated and you know like uh, uh, exhausting and possibly traumatizing 
as they move to VR. You know what I mean? Like, think I of can't these- even imagine like just doing even a story mission and like someone who's like your best friend because they're actually talking to you. Remember that? Like, even though they're an NPC, they are actually interacting with you during story time. Like, then you see them get slaughtered in front of your face. <laughs> like, how many people are going to get them out of video games with PTSD? Okay, <laughs> like- well, hold, hold on. Like, the way I envision this uh neural vr game is you're basically dreaming so how many dreams have you seen your friend just randomly get impaled by a giant uh t-rex scorpion that walks around and starts stomping on uh, mcdonald's everywhere that's the thing that's though, is that there are some dreams like that but the thing is when you wake up you don't remember them all vividly like they were real and if your mind is in such a, f- a form of like just thought process that this is this is reality it's going and you're going to remember all of it none of it's a, a a fleeting memory or a dream like it's like playing a one-player game you remember everything you just saw everything in front of you is going to feel real it's very different even though obviously like there aren't real big giant crabs in real life but when you're playing a game where that thing is in front of you and it's actually hitting you and it you can feel it I think you would be singing a different tune here. Do, do you think that it's going to lead to a different relationship with violence moving forward in in interactive mediums? Because that, to me, seems like, you know, it's a really, really core part of what makes a video game a video game is the combat. That's it. Every it's like a. When you evaluate a video game, you're usually evaluating it on graphics, sound, combat. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of the core pillars of game design. And I get, look, I don't want to... I don't want to argue with people about like, you know, things like Gone Home or Dear Esther, whether or not they qualify as a video game. I think that that argument is valid, and I think that that's an important thing to ask. But I'm... and. The other thing to note is that those games were designed with the purposeful subversion of the idea that you need to have combat or you need to have a weapon to be able to have an engaging video game or an engaging interactive story. I, I, you know, I don't know whether or not that's true, but what I do know is true is that combat is represented in like 98% of video games. So... Do you guys think that the relationship with violence is going to change moving forward? I'm sure. I guess it depends on how the combat would work. Like, would you just think in your mind, oh, I'm going to attack and then your body would just know the motions? Or would you actually have to train yourself to know how to fight with the sword? I think you should have to, like, know how to train yourself. Like, like. You can think of, like you can think of how easy like it is like in your mind of how to like do some kung fu move, but in real life, obviously, it's a lot harder to actually pull off that move. But if your mind thinks it knows how to do the move, then your mind should be able to picture yourself doing the move in the and then game. Your body should just be able to do it in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you want to physically do the move because in my dream neuro world you would just be dreaming that you're doing the move because like in, in my dreams I can jump over buildings and stuff. So. This is the Matrix, goddammit. Stop ripping <laughs> off the Wykowski brothers. But I mean, I think I think that that would also make or a big difference. Sister, I could just think, there. oh, the, the mechanic of this game is that I can pull out a shield and do this flashy move, so I'm just going to do it. And then your character just does it because you can think about it. And I think if that's the case, 
I do think it would still change a little bit of relationship with violence, but not as much because that's still just as easy as like thinking about which combo you want to do and executing the buttons just a little bit more in person. But if you actually have to train and, and train your character to actually know how to physically do all the moves, we're going to have a million trained assassins running the streets. And I think that that's going to change her view in violence a lot. <laughs> well, and I, I don't think that that's that's the, uh, again, and I, I don't think that that's an invalid question where, you know, because uh, we already say that in a lot of cases, you know, the, the skills that people develop in a real life sense can k- translate. Ooh, right. I didn't hear I I don't hear the voices. I don't hear the voice. Oh I think Iscalia forgot to turn the voices back on after his stream because he remember he said he was gonna turn them off and I told him turn them the fuck back on. Yeah, well it it did say that if there was a VR system for fourteen, imagine how much more in depth and how much uh, more heartfelt it would have been for Harshafon's death. <laughs> Fair in enough. VR. I <laughs> still I still would have just gone to off snap. That's it. I don't. It really. I don't but think. See, but you know, it whatever. depends because if you had actually like sat with Harshfont and drank hot chocolate and like became his friend as a character, and then I you did. saw him murdered in front of you, I d- and then but you I saw did. him I murdered d- in front of you. Yeah. In reality, like you would actually see his body and his blood splatters onto you, and he falls down, and you feel the thud in the snow at your feet. I think it would be very different than going. Nah. Like I wouldn't. How would you be able to just stand there and say meh? I don't think you could. <laughs> His blood is have splattered you, all over your actual body in the VR. Have world. you fucking met me? <laughs> but I've never met you in a on in a in a virtual world where you are the. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm even worse. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I I, I no, like, you might be maybe. The thing is, is I like I really don't. I don't. It, it's it's hard for. Uh, and 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 I and I, I readily admit this. Like it's difficult for me to really form an emotional attachment to any character, regardless of whether it's a video game character. God damn it! I don't have the voices turned back on. God damn it! It's called you've done fucked up. Trying to do this and make a point at the same time, but no. God damn it! Okay, so what you say you don't have any emotional attachment to them, but what if your Kabutops was in VR and you could pet him and feel how sharp his blades are? You don't, don't think you have any Team Rocky emotion. comes and kidnaps him and kills him. Fuck. I don't know. Don't give you a shit. You wouldn't be heartbroken. No. You're Bullshit. Captain Kabutops though. That's fine. Bullshit. Little Kabu. <laughs> Kabu no. Kabi. I don't know, or like when, or like if you meet someone in a virtual world, like there was some of this in Sword Art Online too. I think like you meet someone who's your friend, like we do now. We meet them, and like you know how a lot of times I, you know, we all had friends on Eleven who just kind of stopped playing and we lost contact with them. And you know, it feels really sad that we have no idea where they live, who they are, or how to find them. That we've lost all contact with them. But imagine actually being with that person all the time, like they're right next to you, and then one day they just disappear and never come back. That's like that's just as bad as death. I don't know. I feel like I could never play a game this immersive because I would I would probably my heart would break every single day and I would have extreme trauma and I would never be able to go back to the real world world as a functioning human. Okay, but that's like what I'm sure people thought when Pong was coming out and people were talking about what if you were could actually have a character and he was actually fighting this giant dragon and it actually looked real and stuff. I mean, I feel like we're like like if we were like transporting directly into like neuro uh, dream world matrix like 
18 years in the future after it's like a thing like we're, we're gonna be easing into it first we're gonna have like the shitty pong yeah, games yeah. and neural world and then slowly ease into the gta's and all this other stuff like but like i mean i see what you're saying that the gradual if it came right now it would obviously be a much bigger shock however i knowing myself and how emotional i am in general and how invested i get in stories that i read and stories that i play like i already am a hot mess anytime a character dies in a game like i bawl my eyes out i just can't even imagine like seeing it in front of my eyes and being powerless to stop it because it's part of the story <laughs> like i'd be like no let me run in a cast cure let me use rays and they're like nope sorry part of the story and i would feel so helpless and crushed because it's actually my physical self i can tell you just knowing myself and the amount of emotions that i feel on a day-to-day basis i could never do it nika just picture yourself you can feel just the cold breeze blowing you slowly put your hand on the gun's holster you slowly bring up the gun you can see your hand and you reach for your finger on the trigger as you have to kill each one of your squad oh my god stop oh my god if i had to okay you can feel the recoil you can smell the smoke in real life virtual reality neuroscience version i think i would probably kill myself I do not think that I would have been able would to you, Would you kill, would you kill your think. actual self or would you kill your <laughs> digital self? So I think what would happen is I would kill my digital self, wake up in the real world and be a potato. Because, or a vegetable. I do not think... Be a potato. I, I, no, 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 no. Potato was right. You had it right. You would... No, people, that, people who are potatoes also are potatoes because they're lazy. I'm not talking potato. about because I'm lazy. I'm talking about like I would not be able to emotionally... Be, no, you'd be making anymore. a choice. I'm just saying. that is very, very inappropriate, Nika. Okay, but I, I mean, I can just tell you that if, if there was a game that traumatizing and, and I had to actually pull the trigger and it felt real. I mean, yeah, I don't think I could function anymore as a human being because I would never do that in real life. But a game would be forcing me to do it in what felt like real life. No, because you just shot a bunch of ones and zeros. It's not real, Nico, but it would feel real i was already a mess playing mgs5 and i was on a mouse and keyboard i was falling out of my chair sobbing intensely and Siren had to hug me and pull me back into my chair because i couldn't function it was already that bad i i can't maybe even believe you brought games- this up i'm like shaking thinking about this maybe neural video games aren't for you nika no they're not they're absolutely not <laughs> and i would never like i don't think i could do it i could i could do like neuro versions of sports games I could go into a game and play. I could play Wii tennis, but in real tennis. So I can play real tennis, in, but I could play real tennis in real life. So then I don't, just, you know, it's stupid. There's pointless. No way. Don't need it. No. I think, it, <laughs> I think I, I would be interested in seeing that. I'd be, I would watch that. I'd pay. Would you play MGS5 where you to shoot all your own people? Fuck yes. Totally. Are you kidding me? It wouldn't be traumatizing for you at all. No. Why would it Cause, be? Because it's not real. It's just one. It was and traumatizing, even though I was sitting in my computer desk. I'm still what, traumatized from that part. What if it was like an MMO MGS, but instead of just like random NPCs, you're actually shooting your your uh, LS mates see, that helped th- you get through binding coil. See, like the thing, uh, <laughs> dude. I can't suspend my disbelief like that. Oh, see, I can't. Uh, I can, I totally can't. I, it, you know, like people who get that caught up in movies or tv shows i don't get it i don't get it because like i'll can what the thing that i end up connecting on 
or the thing that I end up appreciating is the intent of the creator. I'm like, wow, that was beautifully executed. And and that's the thing that touches me. And, I, and that might be the fact that, you know, I interact with media a lot differently than most people. I, I you know, since I help make it, I have a tendency to break it down and have a very analytical view of it. But that's part of the problem where, like, I, you know, when I talk about the immersiveness of something, like, it's very difficult for me to get so immersed that I forget myself. And that doesn't happen often. But it does happen. Like, it, it does happen, but not, like, on the level that you're talking about, Nika. Like, that is on on a way different scale from I've, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that. I've never experienced anything that was close to a trauma. I, mean, I was I was like, I can't even tell you how, how the amount of sobbing and like the the face like I, I remember like how my mouth was just hurting because it was twisted into sobby expressions that I've never made before in my life. <laughs> like I can still wow, remember that. I mean, it, kind of a lot. it was bad. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. And I mean, I get I get very invested in everything. I mean, we did mention the MGS2 on our other show the other day and how, you know, people were so off put by the switch to Raiden. And at first I was too, because I get so into the games. I'm like, no, I am Snake. Me, me, I, I am Snake. I did all of that stuff Snake did. I am not Raiden. I am Snake. So at first it took me a really long time actually to finally get to a point in MGS2 where I felt like, okay, I am Raiden. It took me a long time to get to that point. So, I mean, I'm that kind of person who gets, like, every book that I read, every game that I play, I, I, I become that character. I'm not someone who's observing the characters. I am the character. Yeah, I, I feel like that part of my imagination died with my inner child long ago. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. Long ago. I don't know. I. <sighs> but what if we could actually pet our Pokemon and feel their soft fur and Charmander's little heaving breath. Who gives a Why? That would be so what are great. You, are you shitting me? Okay, you would never be able to hold the Charmander. It would catch you on fire. What? What are you talking it's about? His tail would catch you on fire. Oh, my Charmander God. Charmander is able let's, to control his flame. Let's go, to our, let's go to our phone lines. Hanging on the line, we've got Lila Liore of Sargentanis. What's up, Lila? Hey, what's going on? Thanks for calling the show. No problem. I just had a quick point to make about the idea of being traumatized by either VR or the whole dive MMO concept, like Sword Art Online kind of thing. Nika. Yes. <laughs> what? I, I, I can believe that, that that's how you feel. Like you would be far too traumatized to do things in in those kind of games that you do in games like this. But you also have to realize that while it may be immersive, just like uh, Anero said, it's it's difficult to... Okay, take it from someone who actually has a VR headset. As deeply immersed into it as I get, I've never actually felt like I was to the point where it's like, oh, I'm actually here. It feels like I'm here, but I'm not actually there. Um, but I, I feel like that with games I play now. I feel like, I, and I don't know if that has to do par- in part with ADHD and how people with ADHD can hyper-focus to a point where you can't hear people calling your name. And so I get like that with a lot of games. That no, I that's just selective I hearing. Str- no, it, it, is, it is not. It is absolutely not. People with ADHD absolutely hyper focus. And so that's a thing, too, that when I'm when I'm already in a state where I believe I am this character and I'm so focused on this game that like I, I it's so hard for me to be able to like pull myself out and see it 
as knowing I don't know like to me I don't know I was actually my brain thought that I was inside the game feel like using using ADHD is a bit of a crutch you're 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 leaning on that crutch I have ADHD as well I I was medicated with Ritalin as a child I'm medicated with Adderall as an adult I I pretty well diagnosed with ADHD and I don't I like I said I it's been a long 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 time since I've been absorbed into a game like that I can get absorbed into work like that where I'm not, I'm not paying attention or I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah. I'm or, not talking about it being that's obviously part of your imagination you but that's that it's, not, it's not part of my disbelief that's different than ADHD suspense of disbelief like you said that if you can get absorbed in anything that's called the hyper focus I'm not talking about specifically Nika. video games Nika, Nika, I have ADHD too, so I know, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know what that feels like. It's ironic because, guys, I have ADHD too, and uh, I was Shut diagnosed up. by doctor's physician, and it's a real thing. And I have dyslexia, and I them? am also. I can't. No, I can't. Oh, Any- I know. Anyway, that that was well, just was one also- example of how, like, already. I can get so much into a point of a game where I don't even realize that a real life exists, and that's okay. how. You know, and well, that, I'm just and that's, yeah, but that's not that's not an ADHD thing. That's a you thing. And we'll see that this is getting to my other point. It could be about part it. of it's both. Like, <laughs> you can feel very immersed in it, but at the same time, even if it might be traumatizing to a specific amount of people in the very beginning, the technology would probably still continue going forward because there is such a thing as exposure therapy. Uh, they use it for military veterans who have PTSD. They actually use VR uh, for exposure therapy to help treat it. Um, yeah, no, and I think that that's, that's a good point, too, that for, you know, for as much as, as we can see it as traumatized, it can also be cathartic as well. Um, and, and but there's I, I think that there's there's a lot of aspects to the idea of, you know, because there's a there's a there's sort of like a third side to that, too, of like when you do interact with violence in a VR setting, how much of that desensitizes you and how much of that trains you? And I think that those are two very important questions, especially when you look at how key video games and VR has been in military and military uh recruitment it's an important question to ask and to 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 you know put out there is you know is this is this technology that is just going to serve entertainment purposes or does it also serve as some kind of desensitization and training and i mean i know i know look i know i sound like a congressman here but yeah, that's exactly right fuck, but but it's an, it is I, I think it's a totally valid question to end up asking. Yeah. Well, think about all of the other innovations that we've made in in games that were you know at first seeming so immersive, but over time you become desensitized to it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, VR is going to be no different. It'll start off being. I mean, it's it's still we're still in this honeymoon stage with it, where VR is just like, oh my god, it's so amazing. And I, I I've had my rift for what like six months now and even still sometimes i you know i i particularly i get motion sickness a little bit um especially when playing like eve valkyrie but it's gotten it's died down to the point where it's like okay i'm not feeling sick like i'm uh like 30 minutes into it i can usually keep it up for an hour an hour and a half but over time people get used to these kinds of things it's not going to seem as as real Totally. Well, just like how people get used to simulated violence. 
and mm-hmm. and and how that that can desensitize you to real violence. And I mean, shit, real violence desensitizes you to real violence. The fact that you can pull up, I don't know how many videos of people being beheaded or being run over in the street or just, you know, just like fucked up shit is all over the place. And we're exposed to it a lot more. There used to be this, you know, before the Internet, you used to have to know a guy who had a who had that kind of shit on VHS. You know what I mean? Like, that had to be a thing. a difference between, like, I can watch a video of someone being beheaded and it's not that big of a deal. But if I saw somebody right in front of me getting beheaded in real life, it would still be a big deal. Then let alone if you're in a game where it feels like real life and it's supposed to be your very best friend getting beheaded right in front of you. That would be even worse. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I fucking I can't watch beheading videos. That that shit makes my stomach turn. I mean, it's it's that's well really brutal. You can't watch like behead like actual beheading videos, but if you're playing something like Fallout Four, you have no problem watching someone's head explode. Exactly. Yeah. It's it, and and there is a certain level of desensitization that exists there. I mean, shit. The, you know, like. I mean, I, I like I use I, I still own I own Faces of Death on DVD. Like I've been watching fucked up shit for a long time, right? And there used to be a time where people would react to that shit. It, like you would put it on, and people would be like, "Oh my god, I think I'm gonna vomit." And now, now you put that shit on, and they're like, "Oh come on, I saw fucking I saw worse shit before I ate breakfast this morning, motherfucker." Like you can't shock me. Like there's there is this very real desensitization that is happening across all spectrums of culture, and so I, you know. Is, you know, are increasingly violent games and media a reflection of just a a more exposed culture or it's you don't really know. Like it's 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 sort of the serpent that ends up feeding itself. It's 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 kind of fucked up when you end up thinking when you end up thinking about it. I mean, when people go for shock value and things like that, it has to get increasingly more weird and out there in order to give the shock value because people have seen it all already. So in order to have that experience, it has to get bigger and bigger every time. It's it's the exact same thing with shock comedy, too. You know, like there was 10 years ago, you couldn't go into a comedy club and say cunt on stage as a performer. (gasps) You couldn't. Nero, you couldn't. Stop. You would. You, you can't say that word. The fucking club owner would come in and shut you down and take you off stage. And it took, uh, it, you know, it took. Um, oh crap! I'm free. Jim Jeffries from Australia to come over and and really make it funny and 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 by way of humor and and kind of shock value navigate that now it's it's a pretty well accepted part of comedy that like oh yeah you can say con that's not a big deal it's it's this it's the same sort of thing like you know there was how do you how do you shock people in 2016 i don't fucking know i don't know be nice to them here's a good example (laughs) i clipped i clipped out the 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 video of uh kylo kicking juxta in the nuts last year and uh, you think about it, it's like the first time you watch that, it's just like, holy shit, that's fucking funny. And then after the hundredth time viewing, it's just like, eh. This is really hard Why to masturbate to. a hundred times? <laughs> yeah. I told you to jack off to it. That's why. Uh, Lila, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I, I, yeah, an important point that VR wouldn't it necessarily just be traumatizing, that it has the potential to also be cathartic as well. Yeah, but it's... it's- all- 
that getting dude that desensitized is not necessarily even a good thing either. I mean, well, it also can be used as like an outlet. I mean, we don't have really statistics for this, but think about how many people who are just fucked up in the head, but because they can go around shooting people in GTA Five, that they don't go around shooting people in RL. That is a good point, and I know there's a lot of people also that say like when the porn industry became more easily available, less rapes happened and that kind of thing. But I can't even imagine how this would play out in that aspect. Like, oh, I'm going to go rape someone in the game so that I don't rape them in real life, but then it's equally traumatizing to the person on the other end. So where's the legal lines there? Well, obviously you only <laughs> rape NPCs, Nika, duh. But there will be people who don't do that. D- Where. Oh. Like, that would bring a whole different legal aspect into video gaming that I'm not even sure that this world is ever going to be ready for. <laughs> uh, anyway, to, to go to to go back to this uh, game focus interview. <laughs> oh, yeah. To kind of turn <laughs> back well, to that. Right. Yeah, I know, right. Uh, Yoshida is turning 44 years old next year, but he feels he won't be able to make high-tempo action games when he hits around 60. That said, an MMORPG that you can relax and enjoy would be perfect. He's so gonna what make MMO would that be like Second Life, Final Hel- Fantasy Eleven, Hello Kitty Island Adventure. <sighs> Yoshi well, like, P. What? I was just gonna say, like, what kind of MMORPG would be a game you could relax and enjoy in? Yeah, because even a slow-paced MMO, there's going to be something that frustrates you and makes you want to throw it on your controller. Like, would it oh, be I can't like beat this boss? Rah! Would it be like turn-based, like p- p- Pokemon MMO, or going back around to that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know what a slower-paced MMO would sound like. Would look like. I don't know. Yoshi P says that playing video games is more common with his generation than previous generations. Uh, he believes that uh, when he gets old, we'll be in an era where playing games will become a completely normal thing. I think that that's it isn't that. already. It's it's not, but it is much, much, much more so than it was even five years ago. I think baby boomers are sort of like that last generation that sort of looks at video games as a super big novelty, you know, that doesn't really understand the cultural significance of it. And I would even say that there's a lot of Gen Xers that I've met that's that's sort of like they're they're I don't know I guess maybe they're colored their vision is colored by uh you know thinking that that was something that they were into as a kid like there are this the younger gen xers and moving into the millennials that are now starting to age into their 30s uh, they, I think that's where you're seeing it become very very common that games are just going to be a part of their entire lives i think that's where you see higher engagement in games in general among you know the different generations um but at the same time we're also a generation that has to balance that against responsibilities of adulthood where we don't have the same ability to devote the time and attention to gaming that we would like to. And, you know, I, I, I do think that people are having to make the choice, make the conscious choice between, do I want to spend my night what passively watching TV or do I want to spend it actively engaging in a game? And a lot of times the game ends up winning out. 
you know, and and Netflix, the fact that things like Netflix end up helping support those decisions because you can time shift all the things that you want to watch. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to schedule your media consumption yeah media consumption your life around the eight eight o'clock p.m show that comes on once a week exactly right well i mean that started with the invention of the vcr i don't i mean you could record shows (laughs) oh come on what for real i mean we used to record everything on vcr and we would just watch it later i mean i mean obviously it's much better technology now but i mean technology is inevitably moving into that direction so I don't know. I, I just I, I think that, you know, it, it, there wasn't a ton of people who would do that. I mean, of course, there would, but, uh, you know, there were people that would. I, I, I did. I went out of my way to learn how to program a VCR, but my parents never did. That was never part of their habit. They never there was never anything that they were that dedicated to that no. they couldn't miss an episode of. My mom had her soap opera, so she had to record all those. <laughs> She had like three or four that she would watch every single day. Yeah, no, my my parents never had anything like that. Uh, it, it was it was mostly me. I got really enthusiastic about stuff, and of course, everything that I liked was on after like two o'clock in the morning. So I would I had to learn how to program a VCR. And you're right, it did sort of it did start there. The habit started there. And the thing is, is I, I again I think that it was way more common among folks our age. You know, we would be recording adult swim or you know the the, the, i would get grounded from a tv show and i would record it and watch it later anyway yeah or the the (laughs) the weird the weird anime movies that would be on sci-fi channel i I think i still have vcr tapes of those but again that whole concept of time shifting was something that became really common with us and then of course you had you know your tivos and dvrs and now it's just become stupid easy you know you've got hulu subscriptions or amazon plus and netflix and just all of these various ways to watch the the content that you want to so you know the fact that you don't yeah you don't have to plan your night around oh i gotta watch this at eight so i've gotta stop playing watch the show and then go back you know like you can just it's time like shift everything point, it's yeah it's at a point now where if a, a tv show does not offer at least one way to watch it on the internet then it's not even worth watching because inevitably you're going to miss something yeah I, I'm like, I'm I'm right there I with get you. Mad at TV shows that don't put their stuff up online, and I'm like, why? Or they'll put it on an exclusive website, and they won't do it till like weeks later. And I'm like, this is dumb. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And 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 a lot of times that's you know sometimes what detracts something from being a hit too. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, I think Yoshi P is very observant in that idea that you know, look, this is going to be a thing that people just work into a part of their regular lives, and uh, you know that that is, I think, a hundred percent true. I think the data sort of speaks for itself. Um, let's move on to this next part, uh, uh, Nika. My voice is kind of wearing out a little bit how about you talk about final fantasy 14 the mmorpg for beginners i am trying to find where that is i'm right on that spot but i don't actually see it Here, uh, there it is found it okay oh, my so goodness. yes 
<laughs> the MMORG for beginners. Yeah, I can't talk today either. All right. So um, he's is this a, also a statement from, yeah, from Yoshi P. He says that if we don't actually get a new generation of MMORPGs, that he does believe that the genre itself would come to an end. So, I mean, he must, I mean, does that does he believe then in that case that the people who are playing now cannot sustain the genre for very much longer? Well, I think, I think he, I think he does look at himself as, uh, as, and maybe he doesn't see himself like this, but I think given that statement, now I see him a little bit more as like the gatekeeper of old school MMORPG tactics and, mm. and ethics. Like, like, yeah, like he, he run uh, to give, to give him a ton, a ton of credit. Cause I think he does deserve a lot of credit. I mean, you know, the people who are critical of, of the fact that he's really only done the same thing for now, two expansions. I understand those people, but to give him a lot of credit, he is running the pretty much the second most successful MMO and charging monthly for it and, and getting away with it and still running a successful product. I mean, that's, that deserves a lot of credit in and of itself. And it's a, and it's a game that gets very little press. Like it gets like not a ton of people talk about it. You get, you get playboy articles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But it, it, you know, you don't hear, uh, you know, other other than that MMORPG.com article that blew up. When do you hear about this, uh, this game on Kotaku? How often do you hear? Not anymore. Uh, Only when the expansion launched, right? I think I haven't heard from it since then. I haven't heard much from it since then. Yeah. I mean, like, but how often do you hear people do think pieces on? Wow. It it happens all the time. I run into it all the fucking time. So, you know, you don't get the same promo push. You don't get the same sentiment that uh, that wow gets uh, over here in the States. And I think that that's that's also kind of something that works to their disadvantage. Um, But anyway, continue. Yeah, that, yeah, that's possible. And, you know, going towards that whole aspect, we did talk about how FF14 is a lot aimed towards the casual gamers. And he addresses that. We're saying that in, uh, first off, in South Korea, that, you know, we all know that those free-to-play MMOs all come from South Korea. And over there, they have plenty of games that let you create a character at the start of the game and then begin using all the flashy skills right off the start. However, some of those games have a bit of a hurdle for casual gamers, and it, that comes from a social games background. Um, and that... That, yeah. and, and I mean, like, yeah, I, I that's probably one of the big criticisms that I have from a lot, a lot of those free to play games is that, you know, they, they you get access to the bulk of your cool abilities right off the bat. And the leveling process just feels like a really boring, like, why bother? Right. But going back to that instant gratification thing, how many people say that FF, the first, you know, getting to 50 and FF14 is so horribly slow and boring and you wish you could just get to 50 so but much it's faster not, so you can use the flashy stuff faster. Not, though. I mean, is it is it really that bad? I mean, they actually address on here that the developers understand 14's first half isn't that fun, but something they wonder about is whether it would be a good idea to introduce complicated skills and systems to new players right at the start. Um, and so they think about that because FF14 does have a lot of strong characteristics, but it also is important for them to make a game that puts consideration for casual players, which a lot, a lot of the you know free to play Korean MMOs don't do. I mean, I do think I do think that um, the proposed UI redesign is probably part of that. There's probably a component of the UI redesign that's supposed to make the early levels a little bit more fun. But I mean, we keep hearing about this jump potion bullshit. Like 
I understand. Look, dude. I, I mean, like, is is the are the opening levels really that unfun, guys? Really? Like, is it really that bad, or is that just what you expect with an MMO? To me, like, that's what I expect out of an MMO when I'm first starting it. Is like, and I don't think it's that bad now either. That you can level up pretty much solely with main story quests, and there's so much story in 14. Not only for people who care about the story, but just that there's so many to get experience points from. That I really don't think the grind is as bad as it used to be either. So. In that aspect, it's it really how can you say it's not fun because you're just playing you're playing a, a one player game full of story, and then once you that's what I'm saying story, exactly you get to go out into the world of an MMO. You're so. being you're being engaged by the story at almost every single point on that journey. I mean, look, I I see I see you chat room that you're like, oh yeah, it's bad, it's really bad until you get to two point five. It's because you motherfuckers know the story. You're going back through it again, and you're like, oh, I know all of this. Why do I have to bake a cake? And I granted it. Okay, like that part of the narrative is not that terribly strong, but your first time through it, it is a journey. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't think it's that unreasonable to say, hey, uh, you know, this is just this is a part of the rite of passage of wanting to play this MMO. I don't think it's that bad. You get you get XP from nearly every mission, story mission that you're getting, and I mean, and it's it's a almost nearly guided experience from one to fifty, and then fifty to sixty it slows down. I get it, but I mean, like, I just I don't think it's that bad. It doesn't slow down that much though, because there's so many side quests. Like, I don't know. I feel like your first your very first job is never going to take that long, and I think because of the journey, because of the side quests, because of the main storyline. Even though it takes a long time, it's not unfun because the story is fun. But then I know we had this discussion on another show where I was calling people out for like, why wouldn't you want to pay attention to the story in a Final Fantasy game? Because that's what Final Fantasy is known for. And there are those people who just play MMOs for the social aspect and don't give two shits about the story. And so for those people, if you skip every cutscene, I guess the first 50 levels could seem extremely horrible. But if you're every couple levels, you get to now see a new part of the story. I could see that being super fun. I I I think that those people who honestly if if you're not I hate to be this guy but like dude if you're not if you're fast forwarding through all the it's if you're getting the same amount of fucking XP out of it anyway you're just being guided along so what you have to fucking hit escape like I get it it's a bunch of fetch quests that take you from 1 to fucking 50 but like really you want to you want to you really want to Taint the fucking well. You want to poison the well by saying, hey, let's put a jump potion out there because you know that there are more than a few people. There's going to be a ton of people that given that option are going to take it when you know full well that they would have benefited learning the skills that you learn from that journey from one to 50. They would have been a better player at the end of that journey from one to 50. And they probably would. They may have found value in the story. Like, if you don't want the fucking story, then fuck off to another game where the story doesn't matter. I, I just, I like, like at some point, at some point, someone needs to stick by the decisions that they make and say, either play this game for the story or it's just a big bum rush to 60 uh, where or end cap or, you know. And uh, game so that you can just do all the shit like if the, and if that's the case. I don't know that that's the fucking game that I want to fucking play. It, that to me that that is a huge 
like that's just like a huge fuck you to the the community and the player base that has spent time with your game already like yeah fuck it we'll just let all of these these pleb motherfuckers uh you know insta 50 or insta 60 i don't i just that doesn't sit right with me and this is a bad justification for it yes (laughs) all right so back to the interview, um, they continued on to say then that they um, that, that it is often said that FF14 has a lot of female players, but they never made it with the intention of adding more female players. I want to know why this is relevant. <laughs> like, we don't intend on uh, focusing at all on female players, but if they just happen to play our game, cool. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I read this as, yeah, there's a lot of people who are... who play that are female but we're not we're not specifically going to target female players yeah yeah i guess maybe, maybe the it's question was the game like, maybe the question was like did you intend for a lot of female players to play like what were you thinking when creating it it's yeah and i mean i'm hoping that it wasn't that we were like specifically targeting male players but it's more like we were just making the game that we thought was great and it just happened that it took off with female players uh well i mean when you talk about when you talk about target marketing in video games when you talk about trying to get a female audience you're talking about a very specific set of branding choices that goes along with that and you need look no further than any quote-unquote girl game that exists out there any of your you know barbie adventures that's one that barbie has been a fucking game for almost as long as there have been video games like that's a series that is oh my gosh yeah right like it's been around for forever but nobody but like nobody thinks about it because it's like oh it's uh, you know all pink and it's for girls nobody really barbie clothes on my computer and print them off with a cloth fabric and put them on my barbie dolls and and okay and (laughs) so it's it was a game it was an actual barbie fashion game. yeah it's a game and that it's qualifies that game. qualifies as a fucking video game. It, sure. it really was. There was actually like a process where you'd go through and like creating Barbie's outfit and then she'd get to do a fashion show at the end. And if you liked it, you could print it out. Like it was this whole game. It was really cool, actually. Yeah, but it um, comes. But but the, it also comes marketed with a lot of very specific gender identifiers, yes, you yes, know, like and and the fact is, is that FF14 doesn't have any of that. And I think that's that's really all that I think you can extrapolate from that statement fairly without without really jumping to some extreme conclusions yeah there. i mean they also say that it, 14 doesn't have many things that would leave a sour taste for female players so like oh there's no sexism and misogyny so good thing so we can have our female players guys like i mean what what's gonna leave a sour taste to female players like there's a lot of games that people thought would be boy games and girls actually like them so for for a game to leave a sour taste to female players i think it would have to be pretty bad <laughs> uh, that's well, that's de- that's I've, definitely why they removed the sultana rape scene i'm i'm a hundred percent sure of that <laughs> okay that is possible i don't know i feel like <laughs> a lot of female players would like to see that scene so, <laughs> i don't know about that Mika, can you comment on that yeah no, i'm not even sure a lot of male players would want to see that but you know uh, <laughs> um, i think i think if you if you made it just like brutally uncomfortable sort of like that that irreversible movie that would be, I mean, it would be, it, you'd be making a statement. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, but interestingly enough, Yoshi P, who once did used to be a really hardcore gamer, never has cared for equipment that shows too much skin. 
Yeah. <laughs> really? And t- t- for for Final Fantasy XIV's credit, like you look at a different game, like uh, I don't know, is it Terra? I think where like the I mean, female it's armor. Every other MMO other than this one. Basically yeah. anything else, and like everything is like bikinis that have like you know two square inches of cloth covering the nipples and then maybe like four inches of cloth covering the vagina and then that's it and then it's like that's your armor and then males have like plate armor for the same set yeah yeah you know you're right there are a lot of sexy things in 14 but a lot of the actual armor is not too different between male and female equivalent there are little differences but not as much as those other games where like there was that one meme going around for the longest time that's like level one armor is like almost fully covered and it's like level 30 armor a little bit less and level 99 is like barely any clothes like that's how you get stronger (laughs) clearly um but he also mentions that because people have this online image or this image that online games are dominated by male players that they think that adding sexy female characters and sexy equipment also makes it a popular game um, I, th- I and and I gotta say, uh, like I, I'm totally supportive of this decision. I think that it, like the armor design for the most part is remarkably tasteful. And you're right, like it is pretty ubiquitous among both genders. Um, you know, if something is revealing for for female characters, it's generally kind of pretty revealing for male characters as well you know like it's and that's and i think that that's fair like you can especially with the glamour system you can build whatever you see your character's image as and i think that that was a smart core design of ff14 but at the same i have i wonder though like um i'm going to bring the next point into this one too because he says that um, he believes that this is something makers assume on their own and believes that if female gamers see some of those equipment, some of them might think, what the heck is this? But they, if that is their thought process, can they really say that they didn't think about female players at all when they made the game? Like, they didn't stop and think, oh, if we add really stupid equipment, female players are going to see it and be turned off by it. Like, to me, it sounds like they actually did consider it after they just said they didn't. I don't, I, to me, it seems like a very brief consideration of just like, uh, who, like, like who the fuck do we really think we are if we want to you know add equipment that is just simply g-strings and a fucking you know like and a and a uh the floss bikini like it it, you know what i mean like that's so uninspired and boring from a game design as from a game design perspective that and from an aesthetic perspective as well that it feels like it was never even a consideration to go that route that's what it that's what it feels like he's saying i guess yeah like um, like even like among females like some of them want to wear that super skimpy bikini outfit because that's what they want to wear so it's like they were trying to cater to like everyone who wants to have like they want to have a broad uh, selection of armor and glamour in the game so you have your bikinis and you also have plate tank mail or tank plate mail that covers everyone even on females so i think it's that's what they're trying to get at yeah it's it's more like it's i i totally understand uh the frustration of of players who you know when a male character equips one set it's like full tank 
plate gear and then when a, a, immediately when a female character equips it it's like it's got some plate across the maybe the the stomach or parts of the breasts or like maybe the shoulder pauldrons are intact but for the rest of it it's just like up ah, skin boobs here here it is ha ah, here are here are the most important parts of my body for you to stab that seems to me to be really you know like it was it was a it was a very easily criticized part of games for a long time and it was just like we got to put a stop to this shit because it's dumb because it's just outwardly stupid and pandery and like let's not like not for girls let's stop it but just for good game design let's fucking knock that shit off and speaking of good game design gender restricting glamour terrible idea just let the males wear bunny outfits for god's sake they said they were going to do that didn't they yeah it's coming well, they, uh, it's coming but i'm not coming yet so where is it ugh i like thor says maybe if the males have a groin bulge option on the character edit screen it would balance things out and i totally agree we talked about this, I think, in another show, too. That I would have the biggest bulge. It, what did I call it? The junk slider? Because it, it needs to exist. It really does. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, if women can have the bumps, the guys can have the bumps, too. Come on, now. Uh, <laughs> and it says that since 14 requires a monthly fee to play, it can go on without needing a gotcha system for super sexy outfits. And I, I, and I, I think that that's a good point. I think that that's a real good point. But we still also, I mean, not a gotcha system, but we have a a cash shop where people can still buy stuff. But even still, the sexy outfits aren't what's in our cash shop. We have, like, outfits from other countries and outfits from previous uh, seasonal events. So even still, people aren't throwing money at the game for the sexy outfits. They're doing it for, like, the cultural stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, FF14 doesn't have anything like that, so he believes it's a game that can be played with no worries. Um, No worries at all. (laughs) And it says, you can see your underwear by taking off your equipment, but after analyzing data, he was able to find that not many of the female players do so on purpose. (laughs) Wait, what? I mean, so that says that nobody really, like the female players don't care or want to see their characters' underwear as much as the male players do. (laughs) You can see underwear by taking off equipment, but after analyzing the data, he was able to find that not many of the female players do so on purpose. And really, I'm going to... I'm going to debunk this because if you take off your armor, like the your underwear you have on is actually kind of uh, kind of crummy looking. I mean, look yeah, at it's that. ugly. The Rogan, it's, Rogan underwear is ugly. Yeah, like look at me right now. Like that's not cool underwear. I have uh, my golden uh, leopard skin uh, bikini. Yeah, there's some that are so many better. Okay. Like, it, but then again, in 1.0, they actually had a special gear slot for underwear. And that was actually the worst thing ever. <laughs> I mean, it, it was bad. I think. But, you- but then. You can still wear some of that stuff, like the hempen, like the hempen camise and the hempen bottoms. Like those look way much more like sexy underwear. And I actually wear those for a lot of my glamour sometimes because they're so much cuter. The actual regular underwear is so ugly. If you want female players to care about their underwear, make it cute and then we'll do it on purpose. (laughs) It's so ugly. I don't want to look at it. Um, it, I mean, does anyone I think I feel like you guys are burying the lead here that Yoshi P being an incredible creeper right here. <laughs> like, like, honestly, like, like read this, read the statement in a creeper voice and see if it holds up. Like you can see the underwear by taking off equipment. But after 
analyzing the data, we were able to find out that not many female players do so on purpose. Like, there's so many qualifying statements in that, in just that one statement alone that make this very, very creepy. Okay, look, Yoshi P is very pure and innocent. He's not like your Hideo Kojima, who's come all kinds of awkward. Thank you very much. <laughs> kinds of weird test tube babies, and yeah, <laughs> it does get um, weird. But I mean, but okay. So this net where he says, okay, MMORPGs are enjoyed by people of various age and gender. So he feels that they need to do the opposite of catering it towards just a specific category of players. So he's trying to be inclusive of everyone, including the weird, creepy people who like to stare at underwear. He has to consider them because he is a good person. Okay. And consider, well, he obviously didn't give any consideration to male players who want to have bunny suits on. But he is considering because he said it's coming. Because that is, that we had to demand it for like two years. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, I have never seen... Actually, that's not true. I didn't make conventions. I think I've maybe seen... Oops. Skuro, where the fuck is my hole? Get to digging. Hashtag derail their conversation. Why does it have a British accent? I don't know. Why there does it? Go. Why does it have a British accent? That's terrifying. I mean, it's awesome. See, Kooky not- fixed it, but I made it better. No, I, <laughs> I don't know it's how like to. A person, not a robot. Are you shitting me? I don't know how to make text to speak sound British. I don't. <laughs> I have to re-record all this dumb shit. Don't fuck around with it like that, you asshole. If it doesn't have the British accent in the in the post, then the, the people will just have to tune in live to hear what it sounds like. That's no, <laughs> no. I can, it, I can make it Chinese simplified. If you no, want. absolutely not. Fucking what not. About, what about Croatian? No. <laughs> no. Actually, I think it's kind of cool. You can change it. God damn it. We should give it give it a is there one that's more of like that was a good British accent, but you know the the British accent they always use in all the fantasy games. If you change Very the like, settings again, I swear to god I'll murder you. We could have English, British, uh Emma, Brian, or Amy. No, Ooh. just English Hi, auto, Brian. I think, is the default setting, which was what we need. <laughs> Wow, you are so not fun, Nero. How am I supposed to give the text to speak a British accent? What? You go into Streamlabs and you just record it with a different sound device and just type it in and just record it and just put that in. Yeah, I'm sure it won't be too much more work for you. You know, you can <laughs> all go to hell. Like- Why don't you try producing the show? <laughs> you fi- you figure it out. <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> oh, that's so fun! <sighs> I don't know. I think Nero is just a party pooper. It's because he's sick. When he calms down, he'll come to you next week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is the end of the RPG section of fourteen, being the MMR RPG for beginners. Do you want me to take the next part? I, the next part I guess, is. I guess we don't have a choice. Do it. Are there any new games you'd like to make? And Yoshi P says, uh, Yoshi P works uh, both as a producer and a director, but he would like to quit being a producer as soon as possible. What? Read the next one. If anyone could take his position as a producer, he would quit in a heartbeat. Oh, wow. What? Well, thanks, Yoshi P. I see how much we mean to you. Okay, well, having two positions does not mean you get... Hashtag Sav the Brits. See, this chick can't speak. Sav the Brits. We need the other chick back. No, stop it. 
I don't having two touch positions it. Does not mean you get double the salary. That's that's kind of having two positions. Oh wait, I mean maybe not double, but he at least gets increased salary, right? It doesn't like, sound okay. like it. It sounds okay. it sounds like they doubled his responsibility overnight and never like increased his pay. So is he saying that if there were two separate people as a producer and a director, collectively they would make more money than he is as both? I, probably. I mean, that's probably fair. I, I would imagine. I mean, dude. Well, we I, all we, know Square Enix is stingy on the money. But dude, I, I, every everyone in media is putting up with that. If you can, if you have any kind of talent, media industries take advantage of that and put you in, in charge of as many things as you can possibly handle. I would like a cup of tea and some crumpets, please, Godfrey. Oh, my accent does sound absolutely fabulous, doesn't it, Olivia? Where are the two dogs, Basil and Fennel? Hashtag free the camel tail Yoshi P. <laughs> what? See, now, poor Thor Carson's joke doesn't even work. Oh, It would have worked in the British accent. I think we need to switch it. He's no! Again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking stop. No, I, could, I don't even have it open. I can't change it. Actually, I could change we're it not taking. We are not taking bribes to just fucking. We will change. The donate, we, if you donate, we will change the accent to the accent of your choice. For more money. No, the fuck That's we great, won't. That is we a great absolutely won't. campaign. No, we what? won't. We have no. That's not what's happening. Donate That's ten bucks, and we'll change to Croatian. <laughs> Oh my god. No. <gasps> Children, oh stop playing with settings. Do I have to change the goddamn password? Because I will. I will, I will pull this show over, goddammit. We'll never, we'll talk over all of it then if you change the password. We have to have it. The, the stream demands it. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> yes, daddy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Let's do it. Anyway, uh, back to the uh, interview. Right, right. Uh, so, one issue that there isn't anyone who would say is, hey, I'll be the producer so you can switch out, Yoshida. He also says that he has more motivation for 14 than anyone else. Well, he should as a wow. producer and director. If he didn't have the most motivation, who would? That's like, I mean, I don't know. That That's pretty brutal saying like, dude, I'm the, I'm the one that's really... Like I'm the only one that really gives a shit about this, guys. If it wasn't he for me, this would be falling apart. Gives shit. He said he gives the most shit. I'm just, dude. I'm not even that arrogant. Like I'm not even like, dude. If I, I'm telling you, if I left LBR, it would be over. Like, no, you guys would step in and continue it and be. It would the show would be awesome. Like, no, like that. It would be different, but it would still exactly. Would like I'm not even. I'm not even. God damn it. And now it's gone. Thanks, guys. You what? You I didn't do it. I, fucked I didn't touch up. It. You I fucked with the settings. Feels okay. I go for the MGS. I like that too. Good idea. You you fuck with the settings, and now look what happens. <laughs> oh, I didn't do it. God, I, actually I don't actually know where the Dropbox is to change this. Can you can you can you stop now, please? Now that you fucked Fine. it up officially. Fine. God exactly. damn. It was supposed to be English Australian by Russell. <laughs> Well, maybe that one just doesn't exist. I guess it doesn't, but I don't know why that would be on there. It's a past show. That's what he just hashtagged. He just just gave us money to put it in past show. You have to. It's true. 
All right. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, forcing himself to work is what he considers to be a discourtesy to players. He believes that since he is the most motivated of all, he must work as a producer for now. Okay. That's actually an interesting mindset. That's a little bit different. He thinks that because I care the most about the game, he would care the most about the game even if he wasn't the producer. And he firmly believes that if someone who is the producer was not the most passionate, the game would not be as good. So he is taking on the burden of the producer role so that they could have, we could have a better game. I don't know. To me, it sounds like he's like, man, I fucking hate these people that I work with, but I love the fans, and that's why I do this shit. That's what that's... You could, I, think I think that the, you're speaking from from your own heart, Nero. That's what I hear. Really? You hate the people you work with, but because of the fans, you shoulder the burden of dealing with assholes who change the text-to-speech voice. You think you think <laughs> I'm projecting that on Yoshi P? Yes. <laughs> kind of. Because you, you can empathize with this position. Uh, well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure he doesn't have people fucking with his text to speak when he. You don't know what happens in the office. They might play practical jokes on each other. Actually, I am certain that Sokin does. It's not a practical <laughs> joke. That's a mistake. Wait, changing the text to speak is totally a practical joke. That's not a. That's that's a bad practical joke. It's definitely not a mistake. It's definitely intended. Yeah, it is a joke, and I can I guarantee you that Sokin is probably that person in the office. I'm sure he does that. <laughs> he'll leave, so he'll change something on Yoshi's computer and then leave to go do whatever he does in the music room. And then all of a sudden Yoshi comes in and just like, so good. I can see it. I can see it. Okay. Right. So uh, there are many games that switch out producers and directors for each new expansion pack. But Yoshi P says that there is still much more he'd like to do with 14. And until he does everything he wants to do for 14, his motivation for it is, isn't going anywhere. No, if somebody good. came in with more motivation, he would keep the motivation, but give them his producer spot. <laughs> uh, he says, of course, there are players that say, quote, Yoshida should just quit already. Laughs. Who uh, says per- that? <laughs> there's actually there's a lot of people. There's that's that's like a growing number of people who because are like, like just, is it just because they don't like what he's doing with the game? Yeah, they think that Heaven's Word was a pretty colossal failure. But if he has the most motivation and passion for this game, if he quit, we'd probably get a much more lackluster game. I agree. I totally agree. Especially, I mean, we well, those people don't agree. I I, I don't. Really. I, I mean, I don't know what the truth of the situation is. There might be someone. He I don't know. Be tooting his own horn here. Yeah, I. You think? Which we know he likes to do. You think? <laughs> Just a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, personally speaking, Yoshida has plans for about four games that he'd like to make, but he'll work on those once he gets a little older. Probably the uh, relaxing games he wants to produce. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I wonder what he would work on. A relaxing Hello Kitty MMO. There you go. Maybe, maybe he'll make the first Barbie MMO. <laughs> Nika. <laughs> he says that the thought of raising his successor has occur- has occurred to him, but since there isn't anyone for now, it is what it is. <laughs> I can't really tell like if he's passionate about the game or if he just wants to leave and piece the fuck out. <laughs> I, you're right. Like I kind of I, I, I 
This is the first time. This is the first time in an interview where I've sort of felt like he's letting a little bit of that. Like I kind of would rather be doing something else right now. Sort of, sort of leak out. You know what I mean? But right. it still is his baby, so he is still passionate about it for that reason. And until I think he finds the perfect successor, at least we know he's not going anywhere. So. That's good, I guess. All right, so he has a favorite character in the Final Fantasy series. Let's see if the chat can guess it. Any, any gets, any get, uh, be- gets, <laughs> any gets or besses, any gets, gets or, besses. or besses. Who do you think, Yoshi P, in all of his glory, who would his favorite Final Fantasy character. I'm just saying that the, the entire series. This has been linked a few times in the in the chat. It's okay, without looking, if you have not looked at it, just guess. Don't tell yeah, them that. Nobody, nobody, nobody actually looks it. at it. The links that Cookie clicks on or I, makes in the thing. I don't know that that's true. Uh, no, people do click. But okay, here's some guesses. See, without people looking, someone guess butt. Someone guess Yastola. Somebody guess Cloud. Those are guesses, and they are all incorrect. His favorite character in Final Fantasy is, of course, Sephiroth. Sephiroth or Sephiroth? You guys, you guys guys think that this may be a uh, a sort of wink and nod? Because I, I mean, you know, isn't he a samurai? There, yeah, Sephiroth has a Masamune. Yeah, that's and and you know, we keep hearing about samurai uh, soft confirm. No, well, I mean, we keep hearing about (laughs) uh, this, you know, this this new Garlean. Uh, uh, and and how badass he's supposed to be. He's going to supposedly be doing something. I mean, you know, Sephiroth is is probably is is. I mean, he's remembered as one of the only villains that like really fucks with your party. Like you know, when he kills Ares, yeah, when he kills Ares, it's like a big deal. That sort of cements him as like like even more. Like, that's, like, a bigger deal than an enemy. Like, it makes it personal. It makes Final Fantasy VII, like, a personal vendetta story at that point. And I I don't know. I I just have to wonder what kind of themes that he's going to end up incorporating that, you know, knowing that that's his favorite character. Hmm. I think this is uh, another soft confirm for Samurai because I remember way back when, like, Yoshida said that he liked uh, Mustadio in Final Fantasy Tactics, just like seemingly random in the interviews. Like, oh, by the way, I think Mustadio is really cool. Oh, uh, I, like I remember that. I remember and that. Everybody overlooked that, myself included. No, but so. like you were one of the only people that like pointed it out and and was like, that's that might be an indication of what job we get. And everyone was like, I remember, I remember, I remember poo pooing that. Yeah, well, I poo pooed it too because I mean, come on, a machinist, really? Come on. Yeah, it has like two job actions, and that's it. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, anyway, uh, just some really interesting statements from uh, from Yoshi P coming from this uh, game focus interview. Of course, again, you can find that over at SiliconAira.com. Uh, link is in the chat room. We'll also have it at our website, LimitBreakRadio.com. So the other article that was just burning up. Uh, social media this week, Reddit, Facebook, we saw this everywhere, uh, was this uh, blog post that was posted over at MMORPG.com. Uh, and uh, I, let's see, who who was it that posted this? This was, uh, Michael, it was a, a column by Michael O'Connell Davidson uh, that was posted on December 9th. 
So uh, just in the couple of days since it's been published, a lot of people have uh, been commenting on it over at MMORPG.com. It's also got a thread over on Reddit as well as the official forums. And uh, so the basically the uh, the sentiment that's expressed in this article is, hey, healers, you should be utilizing DPS. Doesn't matter what the situation is that you should definitely be adding to your party's DPS. And how much of a a uh, contested issue this is inside of parties and a lot of pickup parties like you'll run into healers that absolutely won't do DPS sometimes party doesn't even say anything other times multiple people of the party you know will get on you for it or kick you for it uh, you know I think I've seen I think I've seen one of everything where you know you've had healers coming in doing DPS letting people's health bars get particularly low but because they're skilled healers not letting anyone die I've seen healers kicked for that reason as well and a lot of this uh, you know a, a lot of the blog post is very anecdotal and, and and you know along those same lines saying that you know This runs the gamut, but that the norm expectation of healers should be given the tools that they are given that that the job is given to utilize that the expectation should be that healers add to the DPS. It doesn't matter if you're doing end game focus content or dungeons that healers absolutely should be and uh, and should be expected to be doing dps and if they're not then that is indicative of poor playing or bad playing so this has gotten a lot of responses but first i want to ask i i want to put it out to to juxta and nika do you agree with this article yes Uh, okay nika why do you agree with this because that, By the way, you're no, also an elitist for that opinion. But I why don't do you even agree with fucking it? care if this makes me an elitist? Then by all means, call me a fucking elitist because this you're is a fucking a, elitist. This is a game. First of all, not even thinking endgame raids where DPS is super important. This is a game that's made for you to always be doing something. And I'm going to pull something from the article that that you know, if you are a melee DPS, there is never ever a second where you're not pushing a button. Right. As a healer, it should be the same way. So if you're healing and then all of a sudden nobody's hurt and you're just standing there just cast a few fucking spells like what are you doing otherwise you're just bum fucking off masturbating what are you doing i don't know but you're clearly not playing the game that you're paying to play quit you're just diddling your butthole and exactly. cast a spell and so jesus what they said and i actually like this this quote that um who is it from in the who had their name but they said don't forget the abc of casting always be casting that is the caster abc you should always be casting and just if you're not casting you're not playing so if you're not if by all means if people are getting hurt and you're all you're casting is heals and by all means do nothing but heals but i can't even tell you how many dungeons or crystal towers i've gotten through where i will be a healer because i'll go in as healer just to practice that's the perfect place to practice like crystal tower if you're scared to go into a raid and dps go into the easy stuff and they'll, i'll watch the other healer i will literally sit and stare at their bar and watch their character and they are just standing there doing 
nothing. Like, then why are you here? I could kick you and it would make no difference in the raid. And if we can kick you out, it's the same thing as like what they say about characters in movies. If you can take a character out of a movie and the plot doesn't change, then why the fuck are they in the movie? If you can take a healer out of a dungeon and the amount of what happens in the dungeon, the deaths and heals doesn't change, why the fuck are you here? I, End of story. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. Uh, I think, But at the same time, I do think that there are... I mean, I, I do see that, especially in easy content where healers will come in and they're just like, Ugh, all right, fine, I'll just keep people alive because it doesn't matter. And I mean, I get it in, in a lot of those instances. It doesn't if you're going in and doing, you know, dungeons. And I mean, there are times where I purposely play with a limited capacity where I'm not playing the full DPS that my job could do. If look, if you ever see me on Machinist queuing for a dungeon, okay, just Apologize. know, just know. First of all, my DPS is going to be shit, and second of all, I'm probably playing on my Vita. That's the. Those are the only times that I fucking queue as specifically Machinist. If I'm going to queue as a DPS while I'm sitting at my computer, I'll queue as Dragoon or something, not Machinist. But I mean, and and I understand that. Like if that if that's the case, or you know, if if someone just wants to have like a fuck off run, or they're I don't know, they're eating chicken nuggets for 10 minutes instead of doing DPS, and they can just keep the people as long as you're keeping people alive in easier content fine but i do think that it should be part of the base expectation of healers to be contributing to the dps in some sort of way uh by the way we want to hear from you on this call the show limit break radio on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord you can sound off on anything that we're talking about but we want to hear from you do you expect healers to dps in your parties where you know at what point where it does it become negligible like at what point is it like it doesn't really matter if you're doing dps or not you know like there's certain there's certain dungeons or certain raids where i don't check people's performance i just i'm just like what like i'm as tuned out from what i'm doing as i'm sure they are and and i think that it becomes kind of an unreasonable expectation in those cases but then again maybe i don't know maybe i'm just a, a cooler dude than most people but uh, and i get i get that some people are having bad days or they don't feel well or they just want to do their roulette and get it over with but it happens way more often than the occasional person who's having no a bad I, I i totally agree uh juxta how about you what do you feel about uh healers doing dps look it's pretty obvious healers your role and your job is in the name. You heal. You're not supposed to be doing damage. You are just putting the party and literally everyone else at risk when you are doing DPS. So don't stop using cleric stance. You're not a DPS. You're putting forth really terrible DPS numbers too. So I don't know what you're trying to prove. You're just trying to get quick cues. So just stop trying to do DPS. You are not impressing anyone. Okay, now you're I'm probably going- making everyone wipe. Now I'm going to ask Juxta the person and not Juxta the character. Is that really how you feel? Or are you just being a troll? <laughs> what? No, that's exactly what you should so, be doing. You, you should so be... when you play, you play healer sometime, don't you? You have a healer. Yeah, I have, I have white mage. And you don't ever DPS? Do I? Well, I mean, I do DPS because I want to be But it's in your damage. name. Your name is to be a healer. So why are you DPSing? It's in your name. You shouldn't be heal. You shouldn't be doing anything but healing. I'm basically queuing up as the third DPS. So, but it's in your name. It says healer. When I, you don't, I don't. I don't. Your, your icon is green. Uh, I know. I'm lying. 
I, I don't actually heal when I'm on healer. I just uh, do that so I get quick cues. See, I'm I'm the I'm the reason why SC needs to remove cleric stance because I never heal as a healer. I never leave cleric Wait, stance. So you DPS so much that nobody gets healed and they die. Yeah, yeah, basically. Oh, uh, I see. Okay, well, I'm taking the dark star approach. That sounds a you, little bit right. <laughs> but then, how can you sit here and tell healers that their job is to heal when you don't heal? Now you're a hypocrite. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a definite hypocrite because I queue up as a healer, but I never heal because healing is for women and pansies and pussies. Oh, wait, I just said the same thing three times. I guess I'm Whoa! a. <laughs> oh, damn it. Why can't we mute Jack's like, God? <laughs> <laughs> this would be the perfect moment. God damn. What? It's just. You're a jerk. Just, that is. I'm just, I'm just calling it like it is now. You are a jerk. No, no you're okay. a troll. A bad and a person. Jerk. Square a Enix and answer. Yoshi P back me up. They do not take into consideration any healer DPS in their end game calculations. Okay, that has nothing to do with healers being female. No, it, well, <laughs> oh. oh my god, no, but right, it, well, I, 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 it's true. But, but the fact, the fact that they don't, I think, is even more reason to encourage healers to DPS. Yeah, so you can do stuff at lower level that way when everyone bitches about not being able to do things because they're not high enough level, they don't have enough gear, but if the healers DPS, you can do stuff. I mean, uh, but the thing is, is I mean, Works for everyone. unless you're really paying attention to other people's performance and not your own, either because, uh, I don't know, like some people can put themselves on autopilot and it's pretty kind of amazing, but they can, they can, not pay attention and, and pay attention to what other people are doing and critique. I, I'm not like that. Like, I'm just like, I got to make sure that all the mobs are red on me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm i I'm doing other shit. I'm not paying attention to what the healer is doing unless I'm dying. You know, like, and that's not that's true of 90 percent of the things that I do. And it usually I'd have to rely on somebody else going, oh, dude, that that this guy sucks. You know what I mean? So, OK, well, see, also, but if you play the healer, then because like for me personally, uh, when I actually do heal and I don't do DPS and I oh, actually so want to play girl. healer. <laughs> just a girl confirm. Shut up. Nika. <laughs> you just said healers are girls. I, I don't know. No, I said all women are healers. Not all healers are women. <laughs> we yeah, have to have some men who know what they're doing to tell the women how to do. That's it. very reductive logic. Nika. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just so, saying. Okay, I understand because I'm, you're a I'm a woman and I'm not a healer. <laughs> Do you have a healer leveled? I have everything leveled. Then you are a healer. There. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Proven. Yeah. Okay. So you would have you would have had to level every class except a healer for that to statement to be true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, when I Debunked. do when I do actually be a healer, uh, because I do such a great job and I keep everyone topped off, I have lots of time to look and, and critique other people because I don't do damage because I'm a healer. So, like, in those, like, 10, 15, 20 seconds that I don't have to do, I just watch the the Black Mage and them do their rotation and all that stuff because I'm not doing anything else. So... Then you're a yeah. bad. Then you're a bad. No, I, I'm not Wait, a bad. You I are, don't think, you're, I think you're a bad. It, there's no question that Juxta is a bad. We all we all know this. Yeah. Whether or not he admits it is irrelevant. No, Fair see, enough. I take the leader role. So after I, everyone's all healed up and topped off, I make sure everyone else is doing their job, and I critique their uh, ability, and I make sure they're doing the maximum DPS and proper rotation. That's just... That's I mean that they're remembering to go to the healer and... 
that kind of stuff. Right? That's that's his red mage uh, mentality from FF11 sticking around. Yeah, I'm, I'm preparing myself for when red mage comes out. Yeah. There you so go. you're going to be even more of an asshole when red mage comes out. Uh, it's called being the best job in the game, Nika. When you are the top of the top, you can look down upon the plebs and spit upon them. <laughs> I mean, lead them. Let's uh, let's go back to our phone lines and talk to Isabel Drake from Balmung, who's hanging on the line. What's up, Isabel? Thanks for calling Limit Break Radio. Hey, what's up? Um, I feel like I've got a bit of a unique position on this because I have two characters that I have an endgame. One is a Scholar main and one is a Dark Knight main. So I feel both ends of the spectrum. Okay. Um, whenever I run a Scholar, I'm, I'm on Cleric Stance 98% of the time. I heal to pop um, whatever that AoE Lustrate is. And yeah, that really yeah, big I love it. I love when I can get into EX and have it done in 17 minutes. But I also... Just for funsies, I sometimes play Astro, and I have White Mage leveled for the title. I fucking hate White Mage. When I'm an Astro, I'm not as good at DPSing, so I don't really try to as much because I would rather us move a little bit slower through the dungeon than wipe and have to go all over because I fucked up when trying to DPS. Right, but would you ever sit there and do absolutely nothing? No, no, I would try to do something, but there's just comfort is what I'm talking about. Sometimes people are not able to stand stance comfortably. They just get nervous and anxious about it. And I felt that. So I will think to myself in my head, oh, this dude's, this dude's an idiot just standing there doing nothing. Well, but I would rather... But yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to practice that, including going into something that doesn't matter and practice DPSing first without cleric stance. Just throw some dots out when once you get a little more comfortable, throw in some stone or some whatever, like just little by little ease into it and then work in the stance dancing. Well, not just not just that, but I think that that's an entirely different situation from someone who is just refusing obstinately to contribute to dps if you've got someone who's like all right i don't know this fight i want to be able to react properly like that's different okay and and becoming comfortable with the fight and the way that the mechanics and the fight work is all part of being able to stand stance well you know what i mean you've got to be able to um you know sort of like uh, uh, predict when certain moves are coming and when it's important to be in which stance, when it's important to be healing, when the big heals have got to come out, when the tank buster comes out. Those types of things are things that you learn over time. And I think if someone called you out for being a shitty healer or something and you go like if, if I was in a party and someone was like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not contributing to DBS because I'm not sure of the fight. That's totally justifiable to me totally justifiable we were talking about pickup groups earlier so if you're pugging something and running in duty finder you should expect them to know their job at the very least that's it you shouldn't expect them to go above and beyond because people are fucking idiots if a healer can keep the party from dying that is my base level expectation i would love for them to do more but you know what i don't know these people i have zero to no faith in people so whatever I, but if it's if it's the regular expectation of the entire community that healers should be learning to DPS or should know how to DPS, then then you know like 
that whole idea of like booting people for not contributing to DPS becomes a little bit more defensible. I think right now in the culture that we have, it's not very defensible. It's, that's kind of an asshole move. But, you know, like in, in situations where you run up against this, it's always better to try to help or teach someone, you know, if 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 you provide them with some kind of experience or, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that they, you know, some kind of learning statement that they can walk away from the encounter with. That's way better than just booting them out of the party because guess what? They're not, they're not going to learn the thing that they don't know how to do. If you, you know, you're not willing to fucking help them. That means that you're relying on the rest of the community to do it for you, and that's kind of shitty. That's that's like that's like handing someone a piece of trash and going here, throw this away for me. Like you are, you're releasing shitty players back into into the community and saying, "It's your job to train them, not mine." What what, what kind of arrogant piece of shit are you to say? Oh well, this that's this is not my problem. I get that there are some people that like you just don't want to deal with after a while, and it gets it gets irritating. I understand that. There are the unhelpables. I get it. There are people who, when you try to help them, are complete dicks back. That and I think that that completely warrants a booting. But if you're not even making the effort to help that person understand the thing that you're trying to explain, go fuck yourself. That's that's so arrogant. That's so arrogant. And I, you know, like that's that's a that's a thing that's really hard for for me to sympathize with. Uh, anyway, thanks for the call, bud. Uh, Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715, limitbreakradio.com slash Discord if you want to call in. Uh, I, I I just, I, and I'd love to hear uh, from more people about this. Like, do you expect, <coughs> excuse me, do you expect healers to jump in and contribute to DPS? And if they don't, what is your reaction? Uh, I want to hear from you. Uh, let's read some of these uh, some of these comments because some of the comments on the website uh, uh, in the comment section on Reddit official forums they just they they some of them are totally insane uh, but I need to again I need to give my voice a little bit of a rest so uh, Juxta how about we start with you uh, oh, okay. and, and read this first comment from Atticus BC from Atticus BC he says the sort of nonsense found in this article is one of the reasons I quit FXIV prescriptive, inflexible yammerings about how so-and-so and such-and-such such was, quote, doing it wrong, unquote. And they say they can't do that, quote, get good, unquote. Honestly, I'm surprised that MMORPG would publish this article. They've always struck me as a site that embraces the fun of games and understood that people's dif- different ability levels and play differences. And don't tell me that little silly line of how uh, that starts as accounts. It's the equivalent of saying, I don't want to offend, but... Get off your high horse and let people do what they want. That goes for people who kicked you for doing damage too. If it's going fine, who cares? Well, first of all, let me just say I'm really glad that you quit FF14. Get fucked. <laughs> this, oh my god! Uh, this- I hate people that say if it's going fine, who cares? Like, but yeah, it's going fine. But it could be better. It could be perfect. 
fine is not acceptable. And this is like this is this is the thing that people fundamentally misunderstand about the get good thing, right? Is that it would absolutely apply to this. Like push yourself to be better, right? If there's something if there is something that a party is telling you that you could be doing better, and it's not just one person being a jackhole. Like usually there's definitely a difference, right? Like, you know, use your bullshit detector. You're a big boy or girl, whichever, uh, or person, Both whatever. Or yeah, either. whatever, whatever you are. You're a big person. Y- y- yes. An adult. You're y- an adult. You're a goddamn adult. Excuse me. I'm a fucking act like it. Fucking act like it. You can improve you your performance. Yes. You can you can improve your performance. You can handle some criticism, and and you know what? Like, if they're right, you know that they're right. If they're wrong, like I, I mean, like, dude, this is not this is not that complicated to understand. Like when we were talking about get good, it really was not applied to rating. It was applied to the simplest fundamental concepts of this game that people would refuse outright to learn whether it be steps of faith whether it be fucking blizzard mages whether it be you know all kinds of retarded shit that we run into on a daily basis right that's what get good is that's that's a a leagues different from oh i want to keep hard content hard and this is applied to rating and rating is easy i none of that shit was ever stuff that we said but get good would apply here because guess what you're being fucking lazy that's all you're doing and if you can't accept that like here's the thing all right like and i'm not being on a high horse and i'm not i'm not like i'm not and i'm putting it out here saying i don't want to offend i want to offend you you're a fucking idiot and a shitty player and you're hiding behind laziness as a way to say oh well i want to pay my 12 dollars, so i want to play the way i want to like that's even something that the blog post addresses you know like it's it it, that seems to be such a common refrain in ff14 at this point oh i pay my sub so i get to play how i want to it's dumb it's a dumb justification for anything and saying just let people play the way they want does not enforce a fun play environment the thing that makes in play environments fun is rules and and working within those rules to figure out how to either maximize your performance or how to do something that logically you look at it and it shouldn't be able to be done those are the things that i find fun about rules but a game is not a game without rules it's just a fucking it's just second life I don't know what you want. I don't know what else you want at that point. And Go. nobody likes Second Life. No, everyone got tired of making their character have eight foot long penises after two weeks, and they went on and did other shit like adults tend to do. So, I mean, seriously, just fucking grow up, man. Like, grow the fuck up. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous response to this problem. It's dumb. Okay, my, my counter argument. It's going fine, and we're going to complete the dungeon in 50 minutes, so you don't have to, and no one will die. Perfect run, 100%. Perfect 5 out of (laughs) 7. Why do we let you talk? Why do we let you on this? I don't know. No rebuttal. 
because I'm right. It might as well have just been two hosts on this show today. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. But, no problem. So, <laughs> let's move on um, to next person's comments on post. Carrick uh, stick? Carrick stick. Carrot stick. Carrick. Carrick stick. With a Q at the end. Carrick stick. I'm so disappointed too. I don't understand why people like the author want to force their gameplay style on others. If he wants to DPS and heal, no one is stopping him. If his raid group absolutely needs the healer DPS and do not want pure healers, then they should pick those players. But berating people as bad healer for not wanting to DPS, how arrogant. The game is catered not just to the hardcore raiders, but also to the casual average players. This means that there is a wide variety of skills levels involved. Not everyone can multitask like a pro, and they also have a right to play as healers. Yeah, see? Not everyone is good players, so if they want to just sit there and cast their cure once every 20 seconds, then that's their $15 a month. But who actively aspires to mediocrity? That's what I don't understand. Like, these people are arguing for for continued mediocrity. Yeah, like, I understand if you're not that good but who wants to stagnate like that like at least if you're not like if you want to be a healer fine but if you're healing and there's no one to heal because literally no one's taking any damage just toss out a stone toss out an arrow like who is that hurting all it's doing is making your run faster and why wouldn't you want to do things faster I, I I totally agree and and the thing is is that it just seems insane for people to be openly arguing for the point of mediocrity you know what i mean like it's just why why because why you're watching netflix too i uh, fine then this is not the mmo for you i get that dude I, look i that's a thing that i used to love about ff11 was that you could play it and do other shit you could realistically you could that was a game that you could walk away from for 30, 45, 60 seconds at a time, and it oh. would not matter. You, you thought I was going to minutes. No, no, no. Yeah. No, not quite well, that bad. I, <clears throat> I do remember a merit party you were with Kahlo where you did do that. I did. I did, yeah. Uh, to be fair, my life was falling apart around me, but you know what? We're not going to even bother getting into that. At least we had Mary pose. Yeah. <laughs> But but the thing is, is that, like, why actively argue for I don't need to be better? Like, I understand, dude, I understand not having the time. I understand not having the energy. But then that's this is not the game for you. It's not exactly. It's not. It's just not. And that's not criticizing or being harsh or whatever. It's just an observation that not everyone's play style can be supported but, but, but by an MMO. Scream, if I can scream and whine and stop my foot loud enough that I can get the things I want, why not? But not everyone's dude. Not everyone's. Not everyone can be catered to. At some point, it's got to give in uh, in one direction. You split yourself too much, and you end up making a product that's all over the fucking place. And and then you end up feeling like... And I know that as a creative person who is involved with a product, like you end up feeling beholden to that criticism. Just like, no, they have a vision, and like it, it, let, them, let them fucking pursue that. Like a lot of these, a lot of these whiners, I think, do a lot more harm than good. 
especially with shit like this that doesn't fucking matter like if dude if you think that this article applies to you then all you need to do is just apply yourself a little bit and try harder that's all anyone's asking of you that's all that's it i mean as a tank dude if i didn't want to try that hard like i'd be chasing mobs all over the fucking map like why why would i want that why would you want that as a fucking player you drag everyone down it's it's insane that this is even an argument uh all right uh before we move on let's uh, go back to our phone lines real quick we're gonna talk to uh we're gonna talk to ryuichi what's going on ryuichi how's it going man hey how you doing welcome to uh lbr hey what's up what's up guys yeah i just want to get my uh, opinions on the healer on the healer gps issue okay go for it you're you're you got the floor yeah uh, thanks yeah so i'm actually arguing for both sides here um in terms of you know when the healer should not be dpsing is when, when it pertains to uh learning a uh, learning an encounter when you're learning encounter you should be focusing on dp you should not dps but you should be focused on healing knowing the fight so that way you know when it comes time for like you know mechanics or tank busters you know a healer can a healer can adjust can uh can uh, adapt and act accordingly okay um so but then when you but then once you start learning the fight you should know when you should be healing and you should know when you should be dpsing um whew, excuse me but it it is you know it also depends on job too like especially scholars because scholars high, is highly potential They're, they can output a lot of numbers um compared to uh, white mage or astro um but uh, it's really annoying when you see that uh, that when you're, when you're in a farm party and you see that scholar doing no DPS. It's like, uh, what are you doing, man? I mean, yeah, just but putting your, butt, putting your butthole. I, I mean, at at some point though, like for some dungeons, it's it's almost hardly even worth it because trash packs are dying so quickly because because oh, yeah, 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 yeah. DPS are so good and the, and you know the tank knows Holy the pulls. Holy is an instant cast. There's no reason not and and it stuns, which helps your tank not take damage. So technically, using holy is also kind of like a healer rule because you're preventing damage from the tank. Right. Well, let me clarify. Let me clarify here. When I mean encounter, I don't particularly mean dungeons because, like, yeah, like dungeons. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, especially duty finder. Duty finder. uh, My expectation of healer on on DPSing is very low. If you do it, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, I know what. If a healer DPSs, I commend them. Every I'm time. like, oh yeah, you're fucking awesome. You kept me alive. You done. You supplement part with some more damage. You're fucking awesome. But I'm talking about in terms of counts. I'm talking about uh, EX primals raids. I was in an A10s or A9s and A10s a couple weeks ago, and I had a scout on the party that didn't know DPS. I'm like, what? It was a it was a farm party. I was like, the fuck are you doing? You lazy shit. But even yeah. still, even learning an encounter, like I understand not DPSing as much. But if you're if you've been doing raiding for a long time, you still kind of have a feel of when it's okay to swap and put down some dots and swap back. Like you should still not be doing zero DPS well, on your very very first run through. I think you could still get a little bit of DPS, even if it's not your maximum. Well, and the fights are scripted enough to where there are ebbs and flows. There's definitely like the, you know at certain points like yeah, I'm going to have a lot of I'm going to have a lot of damage to cover coming out here. Uh but you know, like there there is a bit of a cooling off period 
where, yeah, you're not going to have to heal. You're not going to have to rebuff. You should be putting up some numbers. You should be doing something. You should be contributing to damage in some certain way. Uh, and and I just, I, you know, it just the the excuses that people are dragging out for why they don't like this idea or think this idea is bad is all completely anecdotal. And it basically all chalks up to man, I'm too lazy. I'm, and that is such a bad if someone could if, if there was anyone who was arguing the other the other side of this point cogently. And had good, like, like had a good reason for why they weren't contributing to DPS. I absolutely would give that to them. I think well, I would give that Holy to. Apparently, Holy isn't instant cast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> for everyone in the chat who's calling me out. Well, it's okay, Nika. I mean, we know that uh, you don't have your white mage level to sixty yet, so it's I don't okay. Play it. But it's still fast <laughs> enough that if you're not doing it, you're dumb. Anyway, continue. It is. It is a very fast. I mean, it's. It doesn't it take much. And if you swift cast this first one and then cast holy twice after that, the stuff won't unstun, and you can keep it stun locked for a while. So, still justified in saying that healers should be doing it. Gosh. Oh yeah, it's a really great, uh, a great uh, defensive cooldown that I use all the time when I'm uh, only healing because I use uh, holy swift cast stuns a mob, and I just stay off of cleric stance because that's an evil move that prevents your healing. So just uh, use non non cleric stance holies to stun all the mobs. That's what I do. Uh, Ryuichi, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. Uh, if you want to call Limit Break Radio, Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715. We've got three callers on hold and uh, just about 10 minutes left in the show here. Uh, so let's keep uh, let's keep going with some of these comments, and then we'll, uh, we'll go back to our phone lines. Okay. Uh, next one comes from Gandales. Funny that the author is showing a parser which third-party software, i.e. against the TOS. This guy needs to immediately go play in traffic. That doesn't have anything to do with the topic, though, does it? No, he's just chastising the author for using a parser, which means that they're pretty much the most insufferable human alive. Like, the way well, they no. said against the TOS makes it sound like if the article was about, like, not breaking TOS and then showed a parser, I could see why they would call them out. But this is literally about how to play a job, which has nothing to do with the parser. Yeah, well, yeah. No, no but- this this person's just, like, one of the one of those, like, if you ever use a third-party tool, then your opinion doesn't matter to me. Uh, I see. No, you it's, see, it's a you way, see. it's a method of discrediting this, uh, the author. Yeah, he's discrediting the author, which is an efficient way of debunking the whole argument that the author is providing is, because if the author isn't a good person or a human being then you don't have to listen to anything they say exactly yeah yeah thank you let's uh what's what's this next one from Averix is uh this is why dps meters are cancer in an mmorpg gaming <laughs> really i mean i th- I see. At least that's a little bit more relevant of a comment than the last one. At least this one is saying we wouldn't. Less people would know that healers weren't DPSing if you didn't have a parser to tell you. I mean, <laughs> which is not wrong. But, the, but that's yeah. such reductive logic, though. That doesn't solve or address the fucking problem that you're being a lazy twat by not wanting to cast magic. Well, that's not. I don't think that that's that complicated. 
I, and and all of these all of these comments like really all they're doing is ju- this is just the most ridiculous shit piling like th- not even relevant at all to the point i mean at least the first two comments that we read they were like try they had they were shitty points but they had points they had they had some kind of counter argument what the fuck are that what is that this well, is like you, use a, you use a parser YouTube comments yeah you, you use a parser dps meters are cancer like god damn dude the 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 just the dumbness the dumbness of this shit is uh astounding uh mood sore and this is why i don't play final fantasy 14 anymore Great good. comment, great it's, contribution. Good, like, fuck off means. then. But like, what does that mean? That the author's opinion is stupid or that you don't like the people the author is talking about? Your comment could really go either way. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just happy. Contributed so much. I'm just happy that this person doesn't play FF14 anymore. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm very satisfied with this comment. I don't think it needs any more information because he said exactly what he wanted to. I, I, this is exactly why. Well, okay. Sure. It's because DPSing and healing at the same time is really, really hard. And so that's why he's not playing anymore, because it's just too much for him. Too much for Captain Moodsore. Good. Uh-huh. I'm glad. Uh, Pluto Sam says, this is one reason why I stopped raiding or really dungeoning. dungeoning. Really? When I, do, when I do play this game. You play- don't wait. You don't you don't run. You don't run dungeons. He, do- Hold he, does, he, he doesn't does dungeon-y. really dungeoning anymore. He doesn't really do it. I mean, he still does it kind still of. What it, what it sometimes, you, but he doesn't dungeon all the time. What do you log on to do? Swallow ER penis? What is going on? I play Lords of Dominion. He said, I don't know. He's the a, one a, guy. There's only one reason, too. He, there are other reasons why he stopped. But he says, I play a healer because I like the playstyle of healing. Having to do the DPS dance just adds anxiety to a role I normally love. And too many times I or another healer would get stuck in cleric stance during an intense moment. Stuck. Personally, I would like to see SE give players other things to do during downtime that don't require a stance dance and DPS, like buffing, for example. Why? At least they're acknowledging. At least they're acknowledging that you should still do something all the time. They're saying if there was something that healers could do outside of DPS, so they would always be casting, that would be better. And I understand people who come from MMOs with healers as a mindset and only healing would say something like that. That kind of makes sense. I was really, um, I was really hoping that this guy was gonna, in a roundabout way, start working into like, well, I think that thematically it doesn't work with healers because healers need to only be doing healing. If they're doing damage, then that is thematically against what healers do and those people just need to find a baseball bat to choke on or just, they're the or in nicer terms find a different mmo that has that this mmo doesn't have a good day. no find find the biggest fleshiest horse d- dildo that you can sit on tear your rectum get an infection and go die somewhere 
terribly where you're alone and probably cold in the snow. Like that's what that's what those people really deserve. If you're like, oh, I can't, I don't want to do damage because I'm a I'm a pacifist even right down to my digital person. And like, no, you if you like Nika, I, the fact that you have trouble separating fantasy and reality is hilarious. But those <laughs> but those people who take it that one step further that like that 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 they can't violate their own ethics in a digital world that fucking blows my mind you're to, never gonna be able to complete a video game if that's the case yeah exactly like how do how do you uh, how do tail, you thank you very much what kind of fucking like how do you interact like how do you function if you're that kind of person how are you a walking talking functioning person in the world much less a fan of video games like i fucking i do not understand those people and i really just i i wish that i could beat them walking dead style with a baseball bat like they're just awful they make me feel awful as a person you're welcome (laughs) Uh, i like this comment uh from saratin not all resources are in game Stance dancing puts a strain as a healer and can cause them to burn out faster. Yes, it will help you get through the current dungeon a little bit faster, but it's going to have an effect down the road. The obvious solution is to get rid of cleric stance and just have your attacks be based off of mind. But until then, keep an eye on your healer's sanity meter. Yes, DPS as a healer literally causes you to go insane in IRL. I can understand being overwhelmed, but that's why you just practice. You start slow. You ask somebody who knows how to do it, and you don't jump right into hardcore raiding right away expecting that you're going to know how to do it because you're not, obviously. Nika, Nika, I'm sorry. If you do damage as a healer, you're certifiably insane right now. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. I don't know why you guys can be around me. I'm so insane every time I play Scholar. Apologize. Actually, we're not around you right now. You're just, you have uh, schizophrenia, and we're just part of your mental issues right now. Oh, God. Oh, man. I really am insane. Oh, my God. We're mental projections. Yeah. You, you, you've been doing 92 episodes of a podcast that doesn't exist. <laughs> this is the real MGS shit you're pulling on me right now. Let's, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we don't want to get into the whole daddy juxta issues you have right now either. So nobody wants that. <laughs> Wait. Just to be clear, nobody wants that. That one took me a second. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, DAS1337. Das Leitman. Das Leitman. Maybe you should change the title of this article to DPS is a part of your job as healer in FF14. If you were playing an RPG as a healer, that is your primary role. Situation dictates your role as well. Here's the bottom line, though. Whether you like it or not, if the group leader tells you to play a particular role in a certain way, you do it. You do it or you suffer any consequence that may occur because you decided to do whatever you feel like doing. I oh my like God. This Finally, one. someone with a little bit of like, that, that's a fair. I mean, that's a, it started out a little bit nitpicky. Like, well, you said you made it sound like all MMOs, not just FF14, because clearly this is an FF14 issue. But then the rest of it is like, okay, obviously, like that was the thing with 11. If someone was like, oh, your favorite job is Samurai, too bumfuck bad, you're going as Red Mage, you win as fucking Red Mage, or guess what? You didn't get the loot. That's just how shit worked. Like your party group needs you to do something, you do it. So if you're in a raid and three out of four, like the other three people are saying, we need you to DPS, you just fucking do it. That's just how it works. 
Except the plot twist is the uh, group leader in the article wanted the healer to not DPS at all and only heal. (laughs) So he's telling you you have to only not only heal and never DPS. I don't know if I would ever listen to a a person in a dungeon told me never to DPS. But he is the group leader, Nika. And you have in a, in a dungeon, says. there's no group leader, technically. There is a group leader. It's They're the not person really with the little crown. Yeah, but that's just random. you will suffer the consequence that may occur. That's just random, though. It's not actually like... I mean, to be, to be fair, if they wanted to kick somebody, they'd have to do it by group vote. So you would have to have the majority of the party with them. But he's the leader. Anyway, let's go back to our phone lines and uh, talk to uh, Yuki Miyoshi of Hyperion. What's up, Yuki? Hey, guys. Long time no talk. Thanks for calling Limit Break Radio. It's Welcome nice to back. hear from you. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about this topic real quick. The, my opinion on this is that the community expects healer DPS all, all the time or a fair amount of it. And, you know, I'm OK with that to an extent. I think the biggest thing is, is healers do have to prioritize making sure that the party stays alive, but they need to also contribute to getting through the content and playing and concentrating on the content they're in. Yes, you go into a dungeon. Do you want to laze around? A lot of times you may, if it's a simple party finder dungeon, you know, I mean, not party finder, duty finder dungeon. But at the same time, you have three other people that you need to respect their time that they're playing this game. So do you need to be consistently doing things if you're if you're not healing dps if you're if you don't feel comfortable with dpsing you know try to try to learn how to dps in there i think i think as as long as the skill is something that that is known you know what i mean like if you're in a party and you go hey healer why aren't you dpsing and then they start dpsing you know what i mean like they don't have to learn anything. They just know they were just choosing to be lazy. And then, and, and, but the thing is, is like, I'm fine with that choice as long as someone is upfront about it. As long as, like, if you call them on it, they're not like super shitty and they're like, just like, admit, like, yeah, I was being, I was being lazy. So what fucking what? Like, that's not a big deal. I'm lazy when I run shit too. That is fine. That's not a big deal. But, the expectation is is that you know how to do it so that in the situations where it is absolutely needed for you to progress, whether you're in raiding or whether it's a new piece of content that people are struggling with, like Ozma was when it first came out, like get your shit together. Like as long as you can get your shit together and pull it together, that's the only point that people are making is like know how to do this. Have that skill. Be lazy. If you're going to be lazy, fine. I'm not going to give you shit for that. That's not a big deal. But as long as the skill the skill is there and you're not going like you plug in your ears and going la 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 I don't need to learn it la 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 it's not applied to me la 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 I have a healer icon so I don't need to know any of this shit that's the fucking attitude that needs to be crushed like a roach that shit is fu- that is to the detriment of absolutely everyone and that's the kind of shit that no one should put up with no one should put up with that and when you fucking experience that call it out like that that shit is the stuff that needs to stop that's my only point if, i mean if people want to get fucking all pissed off at the mean shit that i said that's that's the mentality that i'm really talking about working its way out of this community those are the players that we don't need they're dead fucking weight because they just refuse they refuse to learn 
critical shit that they need to know. Most people, if you call them on it and you're like, dude, you could be doing, but why aren't you holding hate? You know, like as a tank, you know, that's, that's like the big, that's the big litmus test. If you're not holding hate, people are going to ask what the fuck is up. If, and that should be the same expectation for healers. That's what, that's, that's my only point. No, and I agree with you on that. I feel like there should be a litmus test for every type of job. Granted, with DPS, unfortunately, the only way we really have to tell that is through the third-party tool currently. I mean, yes, you could look at threat meters and, and get some general consensus if the tank isn't, like, in a tank stance the entire time, running the, the threat meters to the point where they sh- should have 99% of the threat regardless. Right, yeah. But... I mean, ultimately, like healers should all be all healers should know how to DPS in some way, shape or form. And scholars have the least excuse because they should be DPSing in 95 percent of content. And the reason I say 95 is because you give those exceptions for like those single healer farm parties or when they're learning in in endgame rating like Savage, they should, you know, learn to balance between DPSing and healing and, you know, try to learn the mechanics of fights. Those are the like few exceptions. They should be DPSing almost consistently. And that's because they have a pet that will do 95% of the healing for them. So like, that's the other thing that people need to understand is pick your job. Yeah. If you don't ever want to DPS as a healer, there's a problem. If you want to minimize the amount of DPSing you're doing as a healer, play Astrologian, play White Mage. I would say play Astrologian because there's other things you could be doing to benefit the party that isn't just DPSing or just healing, and that's with the cards. So, sure, find a way to keep yourself occupied, and yes, you should learn how to DPS and be able to do it when you need to. Yeah, no, I... I I totally, I totally agree, Yuki, and I think that that's really all that that uh, article was really arguing for was make sure that you have that skill set developed. That's really the important thing. Thanks for the call, Yuki. We appreciate it. We've got a couple more people to get through before we uh, wrap up here. Uh, we've got Taser and uh, Thor waiting on hold, uh, so we'll get to them before we wrap it up. But I mean. Uh, let's let's get through another couple of posts here uh, before we wrap it up. But I mean, like, do you guys do you guys agree with that? Where it's it's really more about having the skill set developed than necessarily using that skill set every single time that you are on the battlefield. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not going to troll or whatever, yeah, obviously <laughs> you need to have the skill set of being able to do damage. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, like. I mean, in this game, healers don't really do enough of anything. So if you're, you either have two options. You can either sit there and watch Netflix or you can make the dungeon go faster. And it's really up to you how you do it, but you need to know how to do it. It's what it basically amounts Exactly. And that's the thing, like, where if you're requested to do it and you just, and you don't know how, like, I think that's what makes you the shit bird instead of you know people who just make the choice like they're like yeah hey fucking this is a really good episode of 24 fine that's fine i'm not gonna begrudge that i'm not not gonna like you know what i mean i'm never gonna be that player who's gonna be like dude whatever you know like that's not the issue especially because generally nobody has that that attitude when they're running content that matters 
when they're running content that is difficult. It's only it's only when you're at the scrub tier shit that people pull that kind of stuff. And then it's like, who fucking cares? I get it. I get it. I like I get I, I kind of get both sides of it. I what what I don't get are the people who are like, this 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 isn't this isn't a thing that matters, and I, because I pay my sub, I can play how I want to, like that. Yeah, you like to play style. Yeah, I just fucking uh, that's the thing that really I don't understand, and I think is just childish. It's stupid. I like this uh, this comment from Warlicks. I've always hated it. That is forced down my throat, and that healer DPS is taken into account when SE creates raids. People play healers to heal and buff and occasionally DPS, sure. But I prefer the tank going DPS mode that is going to me get DPS and is safer. And I don't have to stand stance. That's at max level. And as low as Scholar, I don't need to heal at all. But the fairy is the main healer there. So I DPS as hard as I can. Hard. <laughs> and that's one nuke that barely hits for anything over and over. But at least I'm pressing something. Dots on bosses, sure. But man, <sighs> that punctuation really makes it. I feel. No. Oh. Yeah, there's dots, dots, dots all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even gasps. Even gasps. Jeez. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that was a thing. Thanks for that. that. Something. Thanks for You're that. You're welcome. That was very dramatic. That, that was very dramatic. I, I know it was dramatic uh, breathing. Uh, let's go back to our phone lines and talk to Taser. What's going on, Taser? How's it going? Pretty good. Hey, um, I'm all for healers DPS and when and if they can, because there are times when you actually have to because the DPS are not clearing the DPS checks or you're in a fight where you know if it's going on longer, it's just not, it's going to be worse overall. Yeah, I, I, I... Totally agree. I mean, there's definitely points where it feels more necessary. And if you're not stepping up and, and meeting that that challenge or I mean, it, that's the other thing is if you keep failing on something, if you keep wiping on something again and again, and, you know, it's because of slow DPS fucking what's the healer doing? You know what I mean? Like that's that's that should also be another instance where you're going, OK, who's not? who's not doing what they should be doing and healer DPS should be an expectation that's there. Totally. And part of the problem currently is the novice hall. It only teaches healers to heal. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, And again, you know, Square Enix has had a kind of conflicted view of this where they've said that they don't factor in healer DPS to their fights, which I think that was the wrong thing to say, man. I think that was especially seeing all of these fuckwits come out in uh, in protest of this article. Uh, that was absolutely the wrong sentiment to instill in the community because look at look at the amount of entitled whining that's going on here. Like, eh, 
I this is my I get to pay my twelve dollars. It's just so. It's so whiny. It's so annoying. Just just reading these, the way that they're phrased is so irritating because you can just hear the entitledness behind it. I I it's. I pay my money. Why? So why do I have to do anything that this other player wants me to do? Because that's what we need to get to the other side of this boss that we failed on four fucking times because you can't get your shit together. Like, that's totally reasonable. And if you continue to not get your shit together, you should be kicked. And you should have to deal with that like whatever whatever negative repercussions come with that oh sorry someone damaged your fragile fucking ego because they booted you from a party why don't you go cry about it emo kid fucking slice vertically along the fucking wrist because the other way is just a cry for help okay this is bullshit don't let your emotions get so involved in a goddamn fucking video game that uh, if you don't hear the dumb emotive quality behind these stupid comments then dude i don't know what world you're living in but these kids are fucking coddled pieces of bullshit this whole argument is bullshit thanks for the call taser we appreciate it uh if you want to call limit break radio limit break radio on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord we'll uh take one more call here before we wrap up Again, thanks, Taser. We appreciate it. We always appreciate hearing from our fans. It's been fun to rant at you guys. I love ranting. I love how we're like, this whole topic is bullshit, so it makes a perfect topic for LBR. Well, it does. (laughs) It does. Because, you know, like, how often do we talk about bullshit? We talk about bullshit all the time, whether it's bullshit Reddit comments, bullshit YouTube comments, bullshit guild work posts, whatever it is. We talk about dumb shit all the time. Dumb, stupid people that exist in this community where for some reason, because they pay $12, people want to keep them around. Why do people want to keep these other fucking people around? They don't get it. They don't get what an MMO is. They don't understand why online games are fun and they just want shit handed to them. And it's boring. It's boring. It makes for a boring fucking game for the rest of us. And it's bullshit. It is bullshit. Let's go back to our phone lines uh, one more time here. We've got uh, hanging on the line. We should have Thor. Uh, let's see if uh, let's see if I've connected. Thor, you, you, we got you, bud. Hello. Yeah, how's it going? What's up, dude? Not bad, thank you. Just want to uh, call in about the uh, DPS issue here, healers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I just think that if you're a healer and you don't don't DPS, then you're just fucking shit. Um, you're given he- uh, DPS actions and spells to DPS, so fucking use them. You know what I mean? They aren't there for a laugh. And you know, my time in the game is pretty fucking limited these days. And when I get on, I want to play with people who who, who want to play the game, and I just play like half-assed. You know what I mean? And waste of time. It does. I mean, and that's that's the other thing is that, like, dude, if you if I'm failing three fucking times on the second boss of Sestasha Hard, like, why? Why do I want to keep playing? Like that fucking uh, that doesn't make me mad enough to kill you. That just makes me want to kill myself. Like that's just (laughs) it's fucking terrible. Why? Why keep putting up with that shit? It's dumb, and and it's a bad it's a bad mentality to reinforce in your player base. 
Yeah, it's, it's just a waste, waste of fucking time, man. You know what I mean? You don't, you want to play, you want to play with guys who want to play with you, and you want to get, get stuff done, and I waste your time, you know, carrying people, you know what I mean? And I just think that, like, healing during your roulettes is really fucking easy. Like, you just DPS the whole time, throw out the odd regen, throw out the odd fucking raise. If you get in trouble, you use benediction, you know what I mean? It's fucking easy. You, gotta, you just got to do it. Yeah, dude, it, it it is. That's the other thing is that this is not a really difficult thing that anyone is asking. It's not like healer DPS is some fucking great skill that only the top 5% of this game learns. No, like most healers should have this in their toolbox of skills, man. Right? Like this is you guys play healers. This is some shit that you should just know. Right? Yeah. No. Thanks. Yes. Step in any time, Nika. What? <laughs> I just heard yelling, and I kind of checked out for half a second there. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I... <laughs> wow. Now, now I understand why there are big tracks of silence from you when we do the show. <laughs> yelling overwhelms me. <laughs> So if I'm not yelling back, I, I'm probably like hiding in a corner. <laughs> my my. Qu- oh, wait, okay, hold hold on hold on hold on. So if we want you to go away, Nico, we just have to yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll keep that in mind. Make note <laughs> of that. Um, no, what my my question was. Was that this This should be a skill that you develop between 1 and 60, right? Like, this is a skill that every healer should have in their, in their uh, you know, toolkit, in their, in their toolbox. You know, like, what, it, it's, it's in, it, it should be something that every healer knows. It's not hard. Yeah, but let's, let's be real, though. Like, I leveled White Mage solely on Fates. And the entire time you're due Fates, you're just DPS. What a bunch of fucking pussies. These kids, lol. Load the baby ridge. <laughs> thank, thank you, Ryuichi. Load the baby ridge. <laughs> baby ridge. Um, but it's really hard if you get to 60 without having done purely dungeons or done any kind of content where you were in a group situation because you stand there. Then that's not, not your main. Practice. That's not your main. True. Right? However, like, like it is uh, not hard to practice. Like, I mean, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, dance dancing is so scary. Like, how am I ever going to learn how to do this? I never once said... I'm never going to learn this. This is dumb. I said, how am I going to learn how to do this? Right. And that's when I that's started fair. doing Crystal Towers and all those World of Darkness and stuff. And I just would start practicing because that's the easiest thing that if you fuck up, there's another healer there to cover you and it's casual content. That's, you're fine. That's a totally it's, fair attitude. And also, I, I, I just want to say that anyone who comes out like anyone who's like, hey, I'm trying to learn and says that in the party. Dude, you're not going to you're not going to get any flack from me. Oh, not not a single iota like cool i get it everyone everyone learns it's fine but the thing is is that like i mean i i know that there is nothing in the system that really teaches how to do that but again if it's an expectation of the community then that is something that you would pick up between one and 60 and especially for people whose main job it is to be you know like they started as healer they identify as a healer they want to go through the entire game as a healer this should be part of your tool set this should be a part of your skill set that you rely on and 
You know, just sort of like how tanks doing damage was sort of an unspoken part of their responsibility for the longest time. And it still kind of is like tank damage is not completely irrelevant. So, you know, if a tank's got to do it, if, a ta- if that's if that's part of the responsibility of tanks, then you know what? Guess what? It's also part of the responsibility yeah, like of healers, too. There are times too. when you're not tanking, or even when you are, but there are times when you're not tanking that you should be doing DPS. Like, actually, my Absolutely. Worst, my, my biggest hate of Paladin pre-Heaven's Word was that my only DPS moves were my biggest enmity gains. And I hated that because even in Sword Oath, I was getting more enmity than I should be getting as DPS. But even still, if tanks are supposed to DPS when they're not tanking, healers... Should be DPSing when they're not healing. Totally like, agree. I mean, it just, it makes sense. I don't know why that doesn't make sense to people. Like, but I mean, I'm sure there are people out there though. Also, that are also tank purists who believe that tank is my name. Tank is my game and they don't DPS. I'm sure there are plenty of people like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I guarantee you that there are, uh, tank, the tank's job is to stay alive. So that's why I meld all my material as uh Perry. I don't even have a response for that. Yeah, what? What? Because it's logical. <laughs> my what? as a as a tank, my job is to stay alive. So in order to fulfill that role, I have to meld parry mat- materia into all of my gear. Good what? luck with that. Why do you say yeah, things? You. Why do you ever say th- why? Why? Because it's logical. My logic is infallible and. The end. <laughs> In, inf- I'm like complete derail of conversation. Infallible. <laughs> Combo over. <laughs> Juxta has killed it with one sentence. Or with In, one word. In, Perry. In, Boo. Conversation. Infadorable. Logic. Oh <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> You're the worst. By the way, shout out to Mr. Happy. Thank you very much for the host, bud. We uh, appreciate it. And thank you for having us on State of the Realm last Tuesday. That was awesome. If you want to check that out, you can check that out at Mr. Happy's YouTube channel. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, like, this is this is how our hosts always go. We yes. always throw out hosts right when people are wrapping up their show as well. And in fact, we're like 18 minutes over where where we should have been but yeah what the hell what t- i didn't even realize it was already 420 what I, the heck? yeah i know right <laughs> smoke weed every day exactly i've got weed that i gotta go smoke guys so um we've got to wrap up the show or i've got to hit this bong right now I, it's one of the two wait what with <laughs> the smoke right now uh anyway Thanks, uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in today. It's been an interesting discussion. Thank you to all our callers. Thor, thank you for the call, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it hearing from you. Uh, appreciate it hearing from all of you. You guys have somewhat saved my voice today, even though we ran the entire three hours still. <laughs> did you expect anything less? I kind of did. We did. We didn't even. We didn't even get through all of the comments that we had set aside to read on the air. No, and I had a little mini backup topic that in case we needed it, but we totally did not need it at all. So I'm not going to ask what that was. Well, good. It's the we're fan. Not get into it's it, the, so we can't bring it up. It's the fan Go. fiction. No, it wasn't. But we do have four different fan fictions. We have four fan fictions. Yeah, guys, guys, stop! <laughs> Just please stop. This they're is funny. this is they, they were so funny. Long. They were funny. Now they're just getting awkward. 
they're not awkward and they're still funny. See, but this is yeah, no, no, they're they're hilarious. It's it's just Nika is starting to appear more and more frequently in them, and that's what I, makes her uncomfortable. Yeah, actually, it, was all fun it was all yeah, fun and games. It was all fun and games. Fun all 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 laughs and hilarity when it was Aniro and Juxta coming all over Ascalia's desk. But now that it's Nika who is the focus of attention, now yeah. suddenly things are really uncomfortable. I see how it is. What bothers me more is what's going through the minds of the LB Army members who are writing these things as they're writing them. That is what scares me more than the actual fan fiction itself. Okay, Nika, here's the topic. It's uh, Nika Cross Skirl fan fiction from oh. Chihiro Kukichi. I know. Well, she even tagged me earlier and I was like, I'm that writing. Does it make you upset or worried or anything at all? Mm-hmm. No, and just suddenly it now. Does? Not because it's Suddenly Kuro, now, but because it's Chi, we're too good for Chi. fan fiction. Suddenly now. Yeah, we heard this song game from Escalia and Kalo before. So, no, we're going to run this fan fiction shit into the fucking ground oh god because and then once it's running to the ground I mean, we can stomp on it and bury it. it we can stomp on it and bury it after that uh probably not considering how the fan fiction is just exploding it's multiplying it really so, is I, it, it this like, went this went from like this went from a one-off bit that was like oh, the show's kind of light what else can we do well we've got this yeah all right let's let's do that to now it's like we've got to like make time for this shit we definitely can't we definitely can't read it today like we we, the thing is so first of all the fanfic readings go the best when everyone is here literally no one is in the studio it's not i mean i don't know if you guys have noticed this this show has been a little bit light on laughs it's hard to like kind of co like communicate how to set up a joke over it's, Skype. It's weird. Like it definitely, this is the first time that we've done a Skype show. Uh, maybe in a year. No way. Um, An actual like, like show wait, wait, show. Wait, like, wait, I think that this, this is the first time that maybe ever in the 14 run. Well, with, with you, I mean, me, uh, Nika Kahlo did, uh, uh, a, th- a show over Skype when you were in. Uh, well, yeah, that's because that that's that's a little bit different. Yeah, we've done two of those. Yeah, that's so. a that's a little bit different. But that's different than Nero being there all by his lonesome in studio with all of us on Skype. Exactly. Just pants off. Just jacking it the whole time. I don't feel like that's happened since like eleven days. It. You're right. This is the first time that uh, like that, the end of our eleven days. Even even with such inclement weather that we had last year, we we seem to make it every single every single weekend. There wasn't a weekend where we had to like call off like we did here. But I mean, in all fairness, though, I've seen reports in the last four days of a fifty car pileup, a forty car pileup, and a thirty car pileup. I mean, it's just like. It's, it's nuts. It, it's bizarre how terribly people are driving, and it ha- and it's happening on huge highways. And I and I really did feel like if I asked, you know, if I asked the crew to come out here this weekend, that it would be potentially dangerous. We didn't know when the snow was stopping either, which is, I don't even know if it has. I haven't looked it's outside. It's not gonna stop until like Monday. Fuck. So and I've got to get to. I mean, I got to get to work in the morning. It's gonna be tough. Make sure you shovel your apartment complex parking lot. Yeah, that's not my responsibility, thankfully. 
Maybe it should be. Definitely shouldn't be. Anyway, again, thank you to everyone who called in today. Uh, we appreciate it. We always love hearing from you guys. Thank you to Happy for the host. Uh, that was quite kind. I also want to thank uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Kuki. Uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, thank her a couple of weekends ago when uh, she had set up our interview with Austin Creed, aka Xavier Woods of the New Day. Uh, she had set that up, and it was just an an awesome, awesome uh, uh, production. Uh, moment she's a great producer and uh i did not I, I i realized i did not thank her after that interview aired and uh just wanted to you know give a give a second to say thanks so um that's gonna be it for limit break radio this week thanks guys for tuning in for uh, a little less formal of a limit break radio episode again i appreciate your guys's understanding with us being on skype and uh you know with the weather stuff uh we'll have uh hopefully we'll have a full crew next week we'll have a full studio crew and we'll be able to uh read some of these uh fan fictions also we'll have we'll have some more news about the uh postcards from eorzea uh i'm not sure what the latest on that is but uh Kahlo is going to ship or he's going to use the website tomorrow when he is off work. Okay, so those you should expect to be seeing those fairly soon. We Next do a couple weeks. Yep. We do have the art, but the thing is, is we want to show off the art after it's already been sent out. Sort of like this is what you missed out on, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a cooler way to do it. Like, it's a little shittier because people will see something. They'll be like, ah, oh, fuck, I wish I had that. But then it's like, dude, you should have subbed. You should have been you should have been the twenty dollar patron level and then you would have gotten it. So it's it's sort of like you miss out on it. You missed out on it. It's exclusive. There's a new one every single month. We can say that the very first one features our very own Escalia who is not here because he is recovering from uh, the uh, amazing seeds of acceptance that he did raising $1,345.14 for affirmations. That was Damn, uh, he beat my extra life total. Pretty awesome. <laughs> pretty, pretty awesome. What was your extra life total? So not, it was 1,100 something just narrowly. Yeah. So, he probably donated to beat it just to just to make sure he got over it. No, he has a thing. He has a thing about like beating the most recent fundraising total. So, yeah, I think maybe there's something to that. Because that was his big thing. That was his big goal for the last seeds of acceptance was to outdo Kahlo on his uh, on his effort. And he did yeah. every time he every time he's he's he has outdone us every single time. So congratulations! If only he could, uh, if only he could fundraise like that for LBR, right? Right. <laughs> anyway, congratulations to Escalia uh, on the uh, amazing job that he did for Seeds of Acceptance again. One thousand three hundred forty-five dollars and fourteen cents. All right, guys, that's going to be it here for Limit Break Radio. If you uh, enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button. Join us every Sunday. We're live here starting at 1 p.m. for three hours of talk about FF14. We allow you to call in 
Join us live each and every single Sunday starting at 1 here at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. Thank you so much to my crew, Skuro somewhere out there, uh, Kuki who's been uh, helping me out with the phones and coordinating with me, as well as uh, my uh, my remote crew today, Juxtaposition and Nika Kayanian. I'm an hero. Keep listening. Limit Break Radio is a production of LimitBreakRadio.com and Bender Media Productions. This episode was produced by Kuki Persona, Aniro Grigori, and Juxtaposition. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. Funding for Limit Break Radio is provided by Miri Kennett, Captain Failboat, Zurian Urexin, Azura Giacho, Bianca Forwin, Kalina Ashsaber, Thor Carson, My Waifu, Satori Komeji, Darbykins, Sakura-chan, Dark Flux, Null Packet, Share a Heart Slot, and fellow Limit Break Radio listeners. To support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. Opening music in this episode from Daniel Lambie. Listen to Man with the Machine Gun and other great tracks at facebook.com slash Daniel Lambie Metal Gamer. Closing music in this episode provided by Husky by The Geek. Listen to this and other great Final Fantasy XIV and video game rock covers and original music at facebook.com slash huskybythegeek. In-game graphics for Limit Break Radio's Twitch stream are provided by Diamond Multimedia. Check out their line of AMD graphics card and other hardware at diamondmm.com. Limit Break Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. <laughs>